Coco Talk would like to thank our patrons who sponsor our show. So warm gratitude goes to Al Hartman, Alan Murphy, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue, Brian Weasler, D. Bruce Moore, Davey Mitchell, Diego, Disney Saints fan, Eric Canales, Fedor Stamen, Frodo NL, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vemke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Bucata, Jason Downs, Jenna Farron, Ken Riker, Kyle Etter, Malfunked, Michael Pitsley, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Richard Lorbieski, Rob Inman, Stephen Wagner, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C., Tom S., and Tim Lindner. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off-color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. is Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calor computer. It's time to drop your socks, grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Coco Talk. We've got a very special guest. We've got some things to show, some things to tell, and we're going to distort the hobby today because why not, everybody? Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the show that just won't stop despite numerous requests, restraining orders, and forces of Congress. We are still here. Uh, Take it or leave it. So this is it. This is Coco Talk. This is what we do. Today also happens to be the live stream of VCF Midwest, so hopefully you're watching that in conjunction with us. We've got a great show. We've got a great panel. We've already got some people in the live chat. Tim Franklin is there. Jim R. Nick Marota, Al Hartman from Jersey, Tom C. Hello, hello. Uh, let's just jump in. Let's get to the panel. We got a lot to cover. We have with us our backup streamer and engineer, all around nice guy, Mark Bose. He's with us. Hello, hello. Mark. From down under, but on the top of the screen, David O'Connor is here. Hello, David. Hello, everybody. It's good to be here. Neo says hello, too. Hey. Sometimes known as Greg, but always known as Grant Leedy. Welcome to the program, Grant. Hello, nice to be back, everybody. From the Tandy Shack and TDP systems and all kinds of other cool stuff, Terry Steggy's here. How you doing, Terry? Hi, guys. Good morning. Good, morning, good morning to you. Whatever. <laughs> our, our resident <laughs> Apple guy is with us, Mark D. Overholzer. Glad to be here. 
His name is Ron. He's got a garage. It's Ron Delvo, everybody. That's that's, that's oh. me. Hello. <laughs> Rick Eulen is with us, a guy who's working on things that also involve switches. I smell copyright infringement coming up here. How you doing, Rick? <laughs> Fairly well. Take care. <laughs> All right. And uh, from the great white north where weed is legal and he's a happy guy, L. Curtis Boyle. How are you, Curtis? Not here. He's muted. You're muted. Muted. Curtis isn't here, man. He's a mutant. Oh, everyone. Sorry, I was muted. Um, not the Great White North here yesterday. It was 86 degrees yesterday. Oh, wow. So. Wow. Is, wow. That, is that Fahrenheit or Celsius? That's Fahrenheit. Celsius. Right. <laughs> Celsius. <laughs> Water yeah. boils here. That's One and the other. That is L.A. Hey, eight bits in the basement is here. Alexander Wallace is here from Mexico. The guy who owns the patent on the toggle switch, Jason the Cocoa Man Riker, is here. How you doing, Jason? I'm doing well, and I am ripped and ready to go. I've got my Diet Dr. Pepper, and let's kick this off. Oh, it is officially oh, yeah, a shot. Baby. He knows the way to San Jose, and he likes it. It's Mikey, Michael Furman. How are you? Uh, doing better. This is what our air quality looks like right now. Oh, wow. Looks very From shiny. all the players that are going on. Oh, man. You're having Looks like multiple, multiple. They're telling us to stay inside. And guess what that means? Stay, I get to hang out get, with you guys. Stay inside. Hey. <laughs> Sorry. Fire <laughs> <laughs> story. Hey, Greg is here, too. Greg's the guy who I got the uh, the system from today. Hey, Greg. How you doing? Oh, my, nice. He's literally my neighbor. A guy whose name is so nice. We must say it thrice. You know him. You love him. It's... Rhoda. Hello, How you doing, everybody. Nick? If you were on to gaming, today's going to be a great show for you. We have lots of uh, lots of info for you. All right. Barry just joined us on Facebook. A guy who's most known for saying, Thank you. Yes, you're too kind. And thank you. He's also created Temple of Rom in Shanghai and Bomb Threat in his latest release we'll hear about today, which is Omnistar. Legendary game designer Rick Adams is with us. Welcome, Rick. Thank you, thank you. Yes, you're relatively kind. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's because it's twenty. That's because it's, it's twenty twenty. Yes, yes. A guy who gets a lot of stuff on eBay makes us all jealous. Brian Weasler's in the house. Hello, all. Welcome to the show. All right, Alan Murphy's there. How you doing, Alan? Ah, uh, doing all right. Howdy, howdy, all you glorious cocoa nuts. And the optimizer of ROMs, the uh, the distorter of my brain is here. James Diffendaffer, how you doing, James? Don't bother me. I'm editing 6502 code. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> you need an intervention is my question. The thunder from down under, the guy who likes to say, Oh, Rocky. And the author of this week's Game of the Week, Rally SG, Nicholas Morentes is here. G'day, Nick. Hey, you. How you doing? All right. Doing good. <laughs> doing good. We usually so save this. Why don't you leave your name and your number? Yeah. <laughs> From the Italian part of Australia that's little known about. <laughs> we usually leave this guy for last because he is known as Mr. Enthusiastic, but he's going to be next, next to last because we have a special guest today. But you know him as David Ladd. David, are you excited to be here today? Are you enthusiastic about today's show? Oh, I don't know. Today's show is going to be a fun-packed entertainment episode and it's full of dr pepper presented by jason rygard oh yeah now 
Let's get on to Ken and let's see what we've got in store from him today. All right, all right. So you've heard from our regulars and now we have our special guest today. We've been featuring a lot of his videos on the show. His YouTube channel is known as Canadian Retro Things. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome to Ken Waters. Yay. Hey. Thank you. Thank you. Nice shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to wear a different shirt, but then I thought that would confuse people. Yeah, right. It's part of the Weird Al collection, isn't it? <laughs> well, I guess a quick introduction of me is that um, my first uh, foray into computers was back probably around uh, really early 1980s. My mom was a teacher, and she was uh, able to bring one of the Apple II Pluses home from her school on weekends. Sorry. <laughs> I played a lot of educational games, mostly exactly. Oregon Trail. Exactly. Yeah, I died, died of dysentery of a lot. I was just going to ask, did you die of dysentery? But it sounds like you did. Many, many times. <laughs> and, uh, did your sister I... make it through okay, though? <laughs> or your daughter? Was it your daughter or your sister? I always forget. It was one of your <laughs> And anyway, so then I uh, moved up to uh, getting a ColecoVision. And um, from there, my parents decided to get me my own computer. And since I really liked uh, Radio Shack and the uh, RC cars that you had from there, I chose a uh, Coco 2. And that started my love of uh, all things Tandy, I guess. And then, um, yeah, it was kind of interesting growing up where I did. Uh, um, I knew a couple of people that had uh, TRS-80 computers, a couple of people that had Apple computers, but to this day, I have never physically been in a room with a C64. Where are you at? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I grew up in North Battleford, Saskatchewan. Hmm. Just so, over an hour from me. Yeah. Oh, wow. Never knew, never knew a single person that's owned a C64. Hmm. That's weird. Yeah. yeah. No, they all got... They all got married, that's why. They're not single anymore. <laughs> oh. So uh, getting into the YouTube thing, it was kind of uh, a shock to see how popular C64s were, but eh, I'll stick with my Tandys. Sure. How long have you been doing YouTube? <laughs> um, Just over a year, year and a half. Yeah, I would have started May of last year. When did you kind of get back into it, or did you never leave? Did you always did you hold on to all of your original stuff and still kept it around, or? Unfortunately, not. Um, I got an Apple II GS uh, eventually in the late '80s. Had that right through university. Finished up university. Said, "Well, my computers are old, so off to recycling with them." And uh, yeah, get on with life. <laughs> and I'm really sad about that. Oh yeah. Well, who knew that 40 years later we'd be playing with them again? Yeah, and who knew that uh, to buy some of these things would be so expensive nowadays? Right. Mm. Hey, you went through that experience getting your Coco 3, if I remember correctly. Was You were waiting for one at a decent price, and you got to wait quite a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've really shut up in the last couple of years, right, the prices? I guess uh, a lot of people are uh, wanting to get back into their childhoods. Yeah. You know, it's weird when you talk about how we give away our, our, our technology, but it's weird. When I was a kid, there were certain things I knew. I knew the word collector item because I was into comic books. And even when, you know, when I was a kid in the 70s, there were vintage comic books that were older than me already. So I knew that there were certain things you wanted to hold on to because they would be collectible. And so that's why I still have like, 
comic books and my old Mad magazines, and I kept a lot of things. So I figured these things are going to be collector's items. These things will be nostalgic and worth money, and I'll want to have them for my life. And so that, to me, made sense when it came to magazines and certain things, and like my old Dungeons and Dragons books and stuff. But never. When I thought about computers at the time, you know, this computer might be a collector's item. I don't know why, but we have just been so conditioned to electronics just being disposable commodities, you know. And it's just so this is the old tech. It's garbage it. And now let's get on to the new tech. And that's just the way it was, I think, you know. Oddly enough, when I got rid of all my electronics, I did actually hold on to a bunch of the manuals for the games. Don't ask me why, but yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's another thing I saved. Like, I've got all the strategy guides from all the games I used to play, like, even back in the Windows 98 days. So I've got I, – I would buy strategy guides, again, as kind of collectibles. You know, I've always liked to collect things, but it never occurred to me to collect computers when they were current, you know. So, yeah. And how long have you been in the retro hobby, like, playing with old things in the 21st century again? Well, probably about three years ago, just – uh, for fun, I guess, my mom bought me one of those little 301 handheld game things, and it reminded me just how much I like the old 8-bit games. And yeah. I started collecting, started watching YouTube, and then decided, uh, what the heck, I may as well start a YouTube channel. Did you run into us? Um, I think when I first put my MC10 video out, Curtis invited me to come watch the show. Yeah, I don't think you'd seen us before then or even heard of us at no, that point, had you? No, I hadn't. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, how about, how about <laughs> Coco Facebook? <laughs> he's on the Facebook group now, right? No, I had kind of looked it over a little bit, but never joined until fairly recently. Yeah, and you're on our Discord now too, which is cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm going full in. Yeah, yeah. And so what, what, are, what are the current systems that you are currently owning and operating and doing YouTube videos on? Ooh, let's see. I got my Coco 3, Coco 2, uh, my MC10, uh, a couple of uh, Macintosh LC 475s, um, an Apple IIc, a uh, bunch of video game systems, uh, ColecoVision, Atari, Intellivision, um, Nintendo, a bunch of handhelds. Right, you got a nice I, I like to do things on just about everything, but... Mostly my core is the Tandy stuff. Very cool. And you do some of the hardware stuff too? You do like restorations or repairs and upgrades and things? I try to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying they're always successful, but I do try. Okay. Um, yeah, I, 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 I know enough to tinker a little bit. I mean, I probably, I've never attempted to do anything like recapping an entire board or anything like that, but. What about programming? I'm just getting back into that. Yeah, we'll just be basic, basically, or yeah, just basic. Uh, I'm. Did you I, do that back in the day? Yeah, I did a little bit of basic programming back in the day. Um, tried to, but I was pretty. I was only about eleven or twelve when I was doing it, so my logic center wasn't working too well. <laughs> what, did you, what did you think of the SDC when uh, you found out about it? I loved it. Uh, um. When I first got into the retro uh, stuff, I wanted to be completely original, disk drives, uh, tape drives, everything else. But I've got, well, actually, my first one was I got a um, uh, disk emulator for my uh, Apple. Then I got one for my Atari computer. 
and then the SDC for the cocoa. I've loved them all. They make everything so much more usable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're kind of like quality of life things as far as I look at it. It's like I like to run the real hardware, but when it comes to loading in software, there's got to be a better way, right? Yeah. And so using yep. floppy disks and floppy drives and tapes and trying to amass a, a, a hordes of cartridges as much as it is great to want to, it's not always practical or affordable. Uh, I still I still hoard all that stuff. Because <laughs> the I load it differently now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you tried DriveWire? I haven't yet. That's an upcoming uh, project. So. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I've scratched the surface with that, but I, you I need that for MC10s. Yeah, that's I saw it. Stevie's uh, show on doing that with his mc10 and uh it's yeah. a much more usable stevie just loves the mc10 i do oh. i i have said that for mm-hmm. years it's a fantastic and, and machine she really enjoy the mc10 he's also into os9 i oh os9 is an incredible <laughs> operating system don't yeah. watch any previous episodes don't forget the trash can icon. <laughs> he's offered to MC help 10. me write drivers now so it's mc10 awesome. oh <laughs> yep yeah. there it is it was well, my first computer we definitely need we definitely oh. need more Canadians on the show, so that's the thing. So we we're glad to have you there in that respect. So you got your Coco CRTC too, your MC ten. Yeah, CRT <laughs> is going on there. Very Plus nice. the, the Australians are starting to outnumber us. We need as many as we can get in here. So yeah, <laughs> yeah that Rally SG back there looks good on that CRT. There's just something yeah. about the there's certain certain old tech for whatever reason just seems nicer. Than the newer mm-hmm. stuff, you it know. It does. I, I especially find that with gay, like my ColecoVision, my Intellivision. Yeah. The images I've, are softer. Yeah, I've run them through like the the flat screen TV and stuff, but it just I don't know. It no. feels like you're playing on an emulator. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I've, I've noticed that too. Yeah, and not only that, but it it also like t- digital reveals certain flaws that you don't see in analog. You know, yeah. so um, it just it's, it was like the perfect marriage of the analog video output and the analog TVs and the CRTs and the scan lines and all that kind of stuff. It all just kind of worked in a way that it's just really hard to reproduce now uh, for that same kind of feel. You know, and you can't you can't play duck hunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the light guns don't work, right? So yeah, even the Coco light gun games don't work on it. Yeah, so. so. That's cool. So, what um, what are your plans for your channel? Like, what 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 are some things that you haven't done yet? But you say I really would like to do X, Y, or Z. I'm sure he I... would want to interview you, Steve. <laughs> I don't actually go into it with much of a plan. I kind of, when things come up and I can get them, then I just enjoy learning about them and uh, sharing that. No, oh, cool. And. I mean, one of the plans right now, like uh, it's going to be in the Game On news, is I am working on getting back into programming. So I'm trying to make my own game. Okay. Something I started 35 plus years ago. Right, right. So you got a project now that'll keep you busy for yeah. a while, hopefully. Excellent, excellent. Something that I'm hoping will lead to more projects in the future. Very cool. Yeah, well, and feel free to ask any of us any questions or anything. Um, keep the project your your own, of course. As mm-hmm. you discussed with Stevie, he kind of let his run away from him for a bit there, and he kind of had to rein it back in. But there's definitely a whole pool of knowledge here. There's a lot of experience, basic programmers, Cocoa programmers, et cetera. So feel well, free I, to ask questions anytime you need. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. And, and anybody who has any questions for, for Ken about his channel or any just comments or feedback on some of his videos you watch now, now's our time to kind of give him are a pat, pat on the back. Are you still in Saskatchewan or have you moved somewhere else? Uh, no, I live on the, in, around Vancouver. Oh, excellent. You're in my time zone. Port Whitlam. Yeah, You're... I'm real close to Portland. And cool. is it smoky there too? <laughs> Oh, tremendously. Yay, West Coast. Uh, anyone see across the street right now, so. Yep. Cool. I really enjoy your, I really enjoy your videos. Uh, you, you, you take them at a nice pace. You're not rushing through it. And you're, you're, you take the time to kind of explain what you're doing as you're going through it and why you're doing it. So uh, I think your videos are laid out very well. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I was going to ask you actually on your videos, do you, do you kind of loosely script them before you do them? Or do you just wing I, it the whole way through? do um like if i'm ever doing any repair videos or anything i kind of wing it because you never know what's going to happen but i loosely script uh what i'm going to do usually and if there's a information part i fully script that okay so you're not going to show us any blue smoke um <laughs> i'm lucky enough i haven't run into that yet uh, <laughs> I think your soldering skills are better than mine, where you don't solder your own hair. So that, that's always a good thing, too. So. Yeah, once you let the genie out of the bottle, you can't put it back. So. Yep. <laughs> cool. Many, many of us have tried and failed. Okay, we got a comment from 8 Bits in the Basement. He says, I like Ken's channel. The range is broad and the content interesting with a laid back attitude. That's very cool. Dave and Sharon, uh, Mr. 6809, or now Mr. 6309, he says, Ken, your Cocoa Vids are great because the melty keyboard. <laughs> My Cocoa 2 has the melty keyboard. Yeah, I like the melty keyboard. Yeah, okay. I we do just... too. Um, it wasn't the original version I had back in the day. I had the Cocoa 2 uh, 16K with uh, the regular keyboard, but. I do like the melty keyboard. Yeah, I like the melty keyboard too. Kind of got maligned, but I liked it. Yeah. It's a workout for your fingers. I mean, it's not as, I mean, a chiclet keyboard was awful on the Coco One, but the, I thought the melty keyboard was cool. Yeah, it was a huge improvement when it came out of like the original uh, 64K Coco when it came out in 83 there with the melted keyboard. That was a huge improvement to the chiclet. Yeah, you got that got on full my travel uh, later. TDP. All right, all right. Um, well, we're going to be hearing more from you, Ken, in the Game On segment, so we're going to hear about your game project, but does anybody else have any questions or comments for Ken, a.k.a. Canadian Retro Things, before we're going to take maybe a brief commercial break, and then we're going to come back with Game On results? Yeah, yeah. one. Go ahead, Did you ever locate a, a manual for that uh, MC-10? No, I have not. Just the If I can find it, I have an extra one. Oh, Awesome. I think I have an extra MC10 manual as well. So I'll keep an air out. Okay. Sure. So I, I want to hear from you, Ken. Um, how did you come to find and what do you like about the MC10? Well, when I was uh, first looking for, uh, um, I wanted to get back into the Tandy computer, the TRS 80s. Um, I happened upon it. I'd actually never seen an MC10 before. This was about a year just about over a year ago. Never seen one before, but it looked so familiar that uh, I had to pick it up. Got it, brought it home, plugged it in, and immediately that green screen just mm. 
hit me with the cocoa fever again. <laughs> it sucked and, you uh, in, huh? <laughs> so right I started messing around with it, and I found, wow, for such a small little 4K computer, it, uh, it's not bad. Have you found Jim Gary's stuff? He does a lot of stuff with the MC-10. Yep. Yeah. He's the guru, like. Yeah. Yeah, and I think your project would probably be one that could be ported to the MC-10 pretty easily because the, 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 that screen mode is identical and the basic is pretty close. If you're not using things like get and put and the play command and you're just doing the screen graphics, the MC-10 actually makes it easier to use the screen graphics because you have all these function keys on the keyboard and you can embed it right into your source code and make that part of the string that you print. So um, I, I'm looking forward to doing a simple kind of, kind of text graphic type game on the MC-10 at some point too, you know, so... Yeah, I want to get a drive wire before I attempt that because I did attempt writing a game on the MC-10, but typing it in on that keyboard was uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a yeah. challenge. If you need help with uh, high drive wire or MC, let me know. All uh, right, happy to help. Mikey's the right. guy who makes the uh, server for that, so yeah. Yeah, one thing that I that I have that I have an appreciation for is we were just talking about this right before the show. You know, when we started this show three years ago, this was kind of a thing where we were just excited about Cocoa Fest and we were just kind of leading up, counting down the three or four weeks to Cocoa Fest and didn't expect that this show was going to just continue the way that it has. But um, unfortunately, when you only get together a couple times a year, you don't you don't have that. You're that bonding, that that sense of community isn't taking place as much. But since we started doing this show on a weekly basis, um, we, we've kind of got the more community cohesiveness going on. And then adding that Discord component to where we've got our Discord server and there's conversations taking place constantly. And we've got so many people in there that are literal experts in all different areas. you got like your Dave Phillipsons and your, your Mr. Dave's and, and, and Mikey's and you got William Astle on the assembler side. And you've got so many people who are, you know, human authorities on a variety of subjects and they're there at your fingertip. So not only is it a community, but it's a, it's a real-time resource to tap into. And so the, the, those things that have happened in this past five years um, it's it's just been like and, and I'm and I'm sorry it's this bad timing for for Mikey in the West Coast but this has been kind of like a wildfire that spread you know but a good one you know not a bad one so um, you know it's really cool how things are happening and and um, it's going to be interesting to see where they go but so hopefully you're going to get you know you have you have access to lots of people like Jim Gary would be a great resource for questions about the MC10. And um, even just looking at his programs. And the thing that I would want to ask Jim myself when I'm ready to do something in MC10 is how is he doing his coding? I know I know he's doing something where he's typing it in like on a notepad on his PC and then putting it into an emulator. But then what is he doing from that point to get it into hardware? How is he going from notepad to disk image or cassette image? So that final step is something that I would want to ask him when I'm ready to cross that bridge. And you'll probably want to know that same thing, you know, so. Yeah, actually, when I started, I did uh, switch over to uh, typing it in on the emulator and then saving it. And then you can uh, 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 change it into a cassette file. Okay. And then uh, record it onto a cassette. So, we use, so the, the emulator would be kind of the conduit to getting it yeah. onto the, the DriveWire server or whatever. In this case, it's the MC server. Okay. Yeah. So I can. Okay. I, I did do a little bit of uh, extra programming after I was 
lost interest of typing on that keyboard <laughs> and uh, just saved it onto a tape and yeah. then, uh, loaded it straight from a tape drive. Yeah. Hey, Chris, Chris Poacher on uh, Facebook's joined us. He's in the Dragon Group. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Um, cool, cool. Well, we're glad to have you. We definitely, we, we, we like your videos, and Curtis has been featuring them. So um, if anybody has not already subscribed to his channel, um, Nick posted a link to his channel. His channel on YouTube is called Canadian Retro Things. Make sure you, sub as we say, as us YouTubers like to say, mate, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Click that follow button. <laughs> Hit that notification bell. It really helps, right? So, uh, <laughs> what's your Patreon? <laughs> uh, hey, Ken, do you, do you know who um, Ed Snyder is? I've heard the name. Yeah, he's uh, in, in our inventor and stuff, and he uh, he's got the uh, Gimme Ten that's coming out for the MC Ten. You'll have to wait for that one. Okay. What? Just G kidding. Gimme X. Yeah. <laughs> I said Gimme Ten. That's what that's what X is the Roman numeral for, right? <laughs> oh, you got me going there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, me too. Everybody's yeah. going. What? <laughs> yeah. Apparently, they have to get an MC Ten now. Fake news. <laughs> Yeah, it might be now, but you know what? If you think of it, he'll probably come out with something. Sounds like Ron's been out in the sun too long. Yeah. Well, that's that's a whole other discussion that we should probably have one day. Is you know the quality of life things. You know we you know uh, there, we 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 have this saying: there's no wrong way to cocoa. And if you want to be completely pure and nostalgic and stock and original, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But it does become space prohibitive and and practical prohibitive on how many things you can do. Um, but that's and cost prohibitive, pro these cost days prohibitive too, right? So, out. but if you, that's how you want to do it, that's fine. But I like a hybrid where I want to beat on the real machine, but I'm okay with a, with a flash storage solution or an SD card storage solution where I can load software very quickly. To me, there's certain things that are, I consider to be enhancements to just the yep. making using the machine in the 21st century a viable solution versus the old way so um, yeah and as i mentioned before own. that that's the progress that coco was doing on its own when it was an active machine yeah. sold by tandy i mean even tandy added hard drive support to it because they wanted to speed up disk access and allow you to access more data at the at one time so it's I always been you. going in that direction this is just a progress of that oh right? oh hey listen yep. um terry steen just got here and he says um hey i'm late start over please hold on we're gonna roll the intro again real quick here there it is oh Okay. No, 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 no. All right. Sorry, Terry. Thanks for yeah. coming to rehearsal, everybody. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Welcome. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, to me, like, uh, I, I'm just, you, you mentioned your video game systems, too, like the Ataris and the, and the Commodores and the Colecos. I have... Um, I, I have multi-carts for most of my systems, right? So I've got the... Um, I've got the one for the ColecoVision. I've got the one for the Atari. I've got, you know, a few. And then the Coco SDC is kind of like our multi-cart solution. So if you want to play the vintage video game system, but you don't have the luxury of collecting 250,000 cartridges for your Atari 2600, you can put all those games on a single SD card, plug in one cartridge, and play them all, you know. And so um, I think most people who are doing the retro hobby are doing something like that. Uh, to varying degrees of success and user friendliness. From what I'm hearing, like uh, I have never used the floppy emulator, like the GoTech, but supposedly the GoTech it works, but it's not super user friendly. Whereas the Coco SDC, especially now with its menu-based system, it's you know super easy to use. You know, so um, to each their own. 
All right. But there's also uh, to be said is uh, for the box art and everything else when you're collecting. That's a big thing from back then, especially with Atari. Yeah, yeah, that could be said true for like albums, you know. Yeah. You want to collect albums for the album art and everything too, versus a digital collection of music, right? So it's not, hey, you want to come in here and look at my iTunes library? It's really cool, right? Look at these thumbnails, <laughs> right? So. <laughs> we need a new Facebook group called Coco Distortions. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. We are going to run a commercial break. And then we're going to be back with Game On results. So we're going to start off with, uh, we're going to replay a, uh, uh, an updated lost episode of the Fletcher commercial uh, that we, we aired last week. And then we'll play something else, and we'll be back after these words, everybody. Fletcher, I don't need that report tomorrow. That's great, JT. I need it tonight. Oh, JT. Fletcher Lack saved over 300 clams, you dig? When she got her a Model 100 from Radio Shack, like a good little consumer. It's like a word processor, a phone directory, and dialer, you dig, man? And even like, you know, can groove with your office computer. That's a good Mitch Hedberg. Fletcher, you'll go far, Fletcher. You'll go far. And now, these messages. It's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas. This year, I needed to give a real family pleaser. Honey, please help me with this budget. How about a new game, Dad? Please. And I found it. Radio Shack's Color Computer 2. On sale for just $99.95. It entertains, educates, manages. It's expandable and affordable. Now that really pleases me. The Color Computer 2. Sale price for Christmas. Only at Radio Shack. Hi, I'm Kieran Anscombe, author of XRAW. And your brain is resolving sensory input into Coco Talk. At GSoft, we make games for the TRS-80 Color Computer, TRS-80 MC-10, and Dragon Computers. Our basic games cover the range of genres from arcade, to text adventures, to simulations, to 3D dungeon crawls. This is our latest puzzle game from Japan, Fruit Panic. So come on and drop by our website and download our latest games. Tired of switching your joystick between the left and right port? Want to change between different controllers? Well, Joey has got you covered. The Joey Controller Switch. Take control of your controllers with the flip of two switches. Order today at cocoman.biz. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. Legend says, when the moon is full, if you go out in the country by the lake and whisper the name of Nick Marota three times, his spirit will appear and he will grant you a product idea.
Radio Shack has a great gift idea for the whole family. Fast action TV games, and they're on sale. Get this six game model for $29.95 or the four game model for $21.95. With rising entertainment costs, that's a real bargain. You play hockey, tennis, squash, and more. Easy to hook up and great family fun that lasts all year long. The sale price TV games. Only at Radio Shack, a Tandy company. Hi, I'm Terry Steen, author of Balloon Fire and other amazing games on the color computer. And you're listening to Stevie Stroh on Coco Talk. High Score Challenge with Dave Marotta. All right, welcome to another week of results. This week we did Rally SG with 24 scores submitted. Jason with five, Mark Overhoser with 315, <laughs> Catlord 525, R. Allen Murphy 620, Grant Lady 1720, David O'Connor 1735, Adam Tandy Dragon Guy 1780, Damon Beals 1865, David Ladd 1895, Tandy Color Computer 3, 2215. Jim Rye with 2885. Paul Shoemaker, 3085. Mr. Dave, 6309, 3275. Tom C., 3505. Canadian Retro Things, 3715. Buck Owens, 4905. 8 Bits in the Basement, 5070. Me, 5295. Nick Morantes, 5,345. L. Curtis Boyle, 5,350. Frodo NL, 5,445. Tasman, 5,655. Ben VR Drake, for 5,8,15. And the number one score this week belongs to Cargo, with an impressive 7,360. Thank you again for a fantastic week and all the score submissions. All right, congratulations, Cargo. Good job there, Nick Morona, on that beat there. Thank you. The, car, the car did go. Yes, that's it right. It did. <laughs> it well, at least did. it wasn't a Nova. Yeah. <laughs> Nova, Nova, don't go. That's that. Good game, Cargo. Frodo said good game. Um, yeah, good times. Fun game. I played it. I, I liked the game that Nick Morenti's made here. It's Rally SG. Of course, it's an Australian invention. <laughs> so this Crikey. is gameplay by Ben VR, who submitted this clip. So, uh, okay, keeping in mind, Nick is here. What did you guys think of the game? I thought it sucked. No, I thought it was amazing. I thought it was, it, this is really a fun game, guys. If you don't have it, seriously, pick up a copy. Yeah, I, I play this every day this week, which I don't always play the games every day during the week, but this one I did. What um, is it like? It, it's not. It's not. It's it's a, It's quite a value price game too. It's a, five it, bucks. Five dollars. Yeah, that's a that's a bargain at any price. For less than the price <laughs> of a cup of coffee at Starbucks. You know, with today's not rising even entertainment costs. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, so what would you guys think? With rising entertainment costs, I really that's a real bargain. I didn't play it anywhere near as much as I wanted to. We had the uh, 
something else going on this week that we'll be talking about later. But the time I did spend with it, I really enjoyed it. Okay, so did we'll you talk. did you have people playing it at the uh, show? Just to get a little bit ahead there, uh, David, but just want to say if, if anybody got to try it that hadn't seen a Coco before. No, I, I did have it running there, but um, yeah, nobody actually. No, I, I, that was I had it running while I was setting up everything. So uh, and we were doing other things later on. So we, you know, nobody had a chance to play it there. But might do that next month. Okay. Funny thing, it didn't have any furniture. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we actually have um, uh, we actually have the author of uh, Rally S2 with us. He's here every week, uh, usually. Uh, Nick Morantes, who wrote uh, other fantastic games such as uh, Popstar Pilot and Gunstar. And, Hello, uh, everybody. Nick, you're here to talk a little bit about Rally SG this week. So uh, why don't you start telling us uh, what uh, what made you decide to write this game? Money. I'll work it out for you. Boy, did you need to buy a cup of coffee that bad, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I don't do anything else. So, yeah, it was just a game. I I normally do Coco 3 games all the time. You know, I tend to be biased towards the Coco 3. But I thought I'll just take a step back and, uh, and uh, do something, show some love for the Coco 1, uh, 2, and make it also work on a Coco 3 as well. And I and chose Ra and Dragon. And I chose Rally SG, which is based on Rally X in the arcades, which is a one of my favorite arcade games. So I thought I'll, I'll, I'll give it a try. And it was it was a challenge to try do a game well uh, with color. Uh, it's a color computer, so I really wanted something colorful. And uh, the whole idea of a large map scrolling around on the screen. I wanted that that big map scrolling effect. And uh, I did. I can totally relate to this. So did you so did you learn anything new writing this game then? Like in terms of implementing like the big map scrolling map in a low res, like uh, was it a learning experience for you. Well, I got I got a feel for what it's like coding at uh, half the clock speed that I'm used usually used to. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, um, and the uh, half speed, the uh, 0.89 megahertz, does res restrict how much things you can do. One one thing I, I wanted to do originally in the game is to have the scrolling to be smoother than what it is now by scrolling everything at one pixel uh, position at a time. And it would have looked really good. And I did write it with that originally, but I just couldn't get the frame rate. And uh, I, I went to Curtis for his um, expert uh, optimization skills and we sped it up as much as we could, but I just couldn't get the speed that I needed. So in the end, I had to make it a entire byte movements just to get that, that uh, scroll. Um, it, it uses 32K of RAM to contain the, the the map in memory and then what you're seeing on the screen is a window to that um, big map and moving that window to the screen uh, and scrolling it it was just too slow trying to do it a pixel position at a time the semi graphics also the way the way the mapping works did complicate things as well um, the semi graphics it, it has the advantage of giving you the eight colors uh, on a black background 
on the Coco One and Two, but it has disadvantages in the way it's mapped is, yeah, a little bit more complicated than a normal bitmap screen. So it right. required a bit more extra processing to get it to scroll at one pixel at a time. And uh, I just couldn't get that frame rate that I, that I wanted to get. So in the end, I just went for an entire byte. Oh, it still looks good though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been good pixel, pixel, but yeah, yeah. it would have. But the you little mentioned, window. You mentioned the you mentioned the point eight nine megahertz. Couldn't you run like a Coco? Even a Coco one can run at double that. Oh, not double that. No, no, uh, okay. only, only ROM mode. Yeah, if oh, you have a ROM okay. cartridge, um, yeah, because uh, ROM doesn't need to be uh, refreshed, so it allows the CPU to go uh, at the higher rate and the and the refresh of the of the video chip as well. But yeah, no, this is uh, loaded in RAM. So, okay, so, nine. so uh, tell me a little bit about the, uh, how you coded the intelligence of the uh, the enemies. Cause I, you said there's a uh, two or three different level skill levels that they chase you at. Yeah, well, the intelligence was mimicked off my own, which is why they move quite dumb. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> An honest programmer. I like you. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> like, how no. do they track you? How do they decide which way to go? That kind well, of. Well, it, it's based on just a very basic X and Y. I mean, the, the, all the red cars have a um, X and Y coordinate, and your car has an X and Y. So basically, at, at at the most basic, it says, okay, I've reached a point where I can't go further anymore and I need to turn. Which turn will will position me in the direction of the player's um, car? So it just does an XY comparison. If it, if I'm if the red car is more to the to the right, it'll turn to the left type thing. But if I did that, you know, hundred percent on every corner, uh, yeah, the cars are just pounce on you 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 wouldn't stand a chance so there is a degree of randomness in there so when okay. it gets to a point where it can turn uh it's it makes a random decision and i vary the randomness the right. lower levels of random is is uh is um is, is a higher random uh option in that uh, and the smarter you want it to be you you, you cut down and l limit the random and uh it, it m makes a decision then do I do a stupid move or do I do a smart move? So, and that's how it, it tends to uh, to track you that way. And if you get the right random there, you get something that looks like it's looks like it's intelligent. Right. Um, at times, it, it, it surprises even me that sometimes I'm I'm driving around, everything looks like I'm in the clear, and then suddenly there's three, four cars pounce at you from every direction i think how the hell did they work that out and it's, <laughs> it's totally random but yeah just sometimes it just turns out that way it's almost as if they've a coordinated attack to you and they come at you from every angle so mm. it does work out well yeah so on their most aggressive level you said what you said there were three levels of intelligence for the ai oh you can it's variable depending on on, on what i set the random the higher the random setting. So the, at the hardest uh, level, what's the what's the percentage that it will that it will pick the right? Oh, gee, now you're talking percentages. That's math. What's the you base the the? It's the, probably around ten percent. Just just guessing like that. So at ten percent, it'll ten percent of the times it'll make a dumb move there, 
but sixty okay. percent say or seventy percent for the easier levels. So yeah. it tracks you roughly, but it does make a a, a lot of bad a bad decisions. This so is next. This next. is basically the retro games, by the way. This gameplay. Go ahead. Nick, yeah, you, have you oh, actually sorry, seen this play on a uh, dragon? Uh, I haven't actually seen it. No, I had to give it to someone else who had a dragon to to verify it works, and it does work on a dragon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the other way, of course, that, that makes it hard or easier or harder is the number of red cars. The game supports up to seven red cars chasing you in the uh, highest levels. Six, isn't so, it? Six, sorry. Yes, yeah, six. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you you said it was five. You said seven. You'll, you'll get I there. know. It's an Australian <laughs> six. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, you really get to that, that, that high level. But, uh, yeah, so on you know, the easy levels, you only have two cars chasing you, and that gives you a bit more room to maneuver. But when there's four or six, I think uh, um, I've got the jump. Um, yeah, it gets to be a bit crammed, and uh, it, it, there is a high degree of, uh, of of luck in the game. Sometimes you're lucky, and you just have all the flags that you're meant to collect because they're well, they're semi-randomly um, allocated on the screen. Not did totally you random. Them, did you weight them more heavily towards the bottom? Uh, well, actually, uh, that's a bug. There was a bug in my random code. Which which did that, so it wasn't as random as what I originally th what planned it to be, but then I thought, hey, this bug isn't too bad. It gives it <laughs> a, a, a bit of there was a bit of um, where you could sort of have an idea of where they could be, but it was random enough to vary it between levels. I thought, hey, I'll keep it. It's a feature. <laughs> <laughs> well, for the challenge, go. the challenge stages, I tended to sweep the bottom first, hoping yeah. to find the majority yeah. of flags, and then I'd go up hoping to find the rest. It does uh, gravitate to the bottom, yeah. That does give you a fighting chance in challenge stages. Which yeah, yeah. If it's totally random, it, it really does make it hard. So at least if they're semi-predictable, you've got a bit more of a chance or at least looking for the pattern i mean sometimes they're more towards the bottom sometimes they're more towards the upper left so basically you can't find them in the bottom try the upper left <laughs> you know? oh okay that's good to know well they, they, it doesn't move because as I said, the, ver the random r code is a little bit buggy so it's not yeah. as random as what i want but you do after a while see that there is a pattern sometimes they'll appear in one area more than others so oh, okay. if it's not in one, try the other one. <laughs> hey, Jason. Jason, you're from Ohio. Yes. You're from Ohio. Does yeah. uh, the starting screen remind you of Rally uh, Hamburgs? Um, maybe a little bit. We don't have bit. that in this part of the state, but I have no. seen them before. Yeah. That's what I think of. Yeah. So, Nick, since, yeah. you, since you program the car's behavior, do they occasionally take a Vegemite break during the course of the day? <laughs> no, they have no breaks at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's Australian. <laughs> so, uh, so, approximately how long did it take you to uh, create this game? Uh, what was it? About three, four months. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a pretty that. quick one. I mean, the games aren't as big as my Coco 3 games, of course, and... Uh, I mean, the game itself, the code itself is only about eight, well, eight, 
8K, add the graphics in. There's only about 16K of RAM. It just uses 64K because of the size of the um, of the master map. Um, oh, okay. It, and honestly, you would have had this done probably almost a month, maybe about two to three weeks faster if you hadn't tried to get the smooth scrolling to work. I mean, well, we spent a lot of time trying to get this to work. I spent a lot of time because I really, at the beginning, I really wanted that smoothness. And, and you know, I could do it, but I just couldn't do it in the in the time that I needed. The game no. would have ran, ran at half, well, pretty well half speed. So I thought, no, nah, no, I want the speed, man. Keep in yeah. mind, if you're watching this, the video shows it off a lot jerkier than it really is. In right, the, right. Life. Oh, yeah, no, the, the video is not this. showing. It is smoother than that. Yeah, it's it's not smooth. that jerky. No. The uh, screen on the side there. The author uh, is. The radar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a total jerk. Uh, hey, hey, he's a guest right now. Be nice to him. <laughs> the uh, radar display. Well, the one thing with the semi-graphics mode is you can only have one color plus black in, in, per byte. So as long as you design your graphics in such a way so that you don't have more than two colors in a byte, you know you can get a pretty colorful display. The radar, though. I needed to have at, at when the, the 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 dots which signify the flags. Well, I had I had three dots I had to represent on that blue background. I had the the black dots were the the red cars. The uh, your car is the big cyan one, and um, the flags. Well, what what do I use for the flags? I mean, I I had that blue background. So there was a color there already, and I was using black already for the red cars. I couldn't add another color unless I allocated it as an entire byte, which is what my cyan, my car is represented. That's an entire byte. But to have dots all being that size, the radar was either I have to make the radar wider and that eats into my play area. Yeah. I needed a way where I can get two colors uh, per byte and what I did there was I, I flickered the colors between the blue background and the black and that in most most screens will show that up then as a dark blue. Yeah, that was effective. So it, it, it works perfectly on a CRT on a fairly high refresh um, LCD on some emulators um, and some LCDs it doesn't work quite as well but yeah. It was the only way I could could squeeze in an extra color in the semi graphics. So really, the game has got uh, nine colors plus black. Nine. <laughs> yes. Nine. Nine. If you want to. You, did, you distorted yeah. the colors. What you're saying. I yeah. distorted them. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and the oil slick that it that it leaves behind. That's actually Vegemite. It's actually a smoke. Oh yeah. Well. It? Yeah. <laughs> it's Is that oil or smoke? It's smoke. It's meant yeah. to be smoke. Yeah. No, it's yeah. Vegemite. Well, it, it it's brown, so it's it's shit. But uh, <laughs> there is no, there was no grey. Uh, the Coco one and two didn't have a grey, a dark grey, available, so it had to be brown. <laughs> and that's and actually the smoke screen is a is a very uh, important aspect of the strategy of the game. I mean, not only does it you know get cars that are on your tail, uh, gets them away. It's also a good way to control the red cars because if you position yourself in such a way, you know, let them follow you a certain point and at, at a certain turning point, if you let off the smoke just there, 
it diverts the cars and, and makes them go in the direction you want them to go because they're trying to avoid the smoke and but you don't want them to follow you you can just you can actually divert them and and, and guide them elsewhere so that is a, a strategy that you can use the smoke so the closest you have to a gun in this game it's crucial Ooh. david lad are there any balloons <laughs> in this game no balloons no okay. there's no popping and there's no stars <laughs> are there any angry donuts no no angry donuts <laughs> no dilemmas no guns no pops no stars okay what's the what one question i do have what's the difference between the uh, the different colored um dots there there's red dots and yellow dots is that just different amounts of points or uh, oh, good question. Oh, That's actually you a mean good the point. flags. The flags. Red flag. The flags. Sorry, yeah, yeah. The yeah. flags. Yeah, the the yellow flags are the are the normal flags, and you get uh, I forget the scoring I have, but whatever the score is, um, each each yellow flag adds to the last yellow flag obtained. If you get the one red flag that's on there, it's a special flag that then doubles the points for every subsequent flag you get. So instead of getting, you know, an extra 10 for every flag, you now get an extra, say, 20 or whatever for every flag. Yeah, there you go. So the it, it's a strategy. It, ideally, if you can get the orange flag as, as soon as you can, then all your points are, are higher um, because of that. Yeah, yeah actually, but, it's like a bonus add, multiplier. It's a bonus multiplier, yeah. That actually added a greed fact, which I liked because I was driving. I, I usually sweep the top, like I said, or, or actually at the beginning of the normal levels, I go up to the top and avoid let the cars disperse a bit. But if I see a red flag, I might go out of my way to grab it. So that, that's a yeah. good uh, greed um, factor, which is uh, part of a, a good game design. On the early level, well, on the very first levels where there's only two red cars, what I tend to do is I try to not get the yellow flags straight away. I quickly try to do a, a drive around, avoiding the yellow flags until I find the orange flag, and then I get the yellow flags. But you can't leave that for too long because you're bu you're burning fuel yes. uh, while you're doing that. Mm. So you have got a bit of time to quickly find the orange flag first, and then get the yellow flags to get a higher point. And the smoke also uses uses fuel. Well, yeah. So, so I've run out of fuel before. That's right. <laughs> I have run out so. of fuel. Yeah. I, I do a question. Uh, should we be listening to Nick for, you know, play through uh, optimizations, like how to play the game better when he didn't even get in the top five in his own game? <laughs> oh! <laughs> Ouch. That was a hard one. <laughs> oh, well, for that, I'm not going to tell you the cheat mode. <laughs> what, what, was your score? what was your score, Curtis? I can't remember. I beat Nick by five, and that was by uh -huh. coincidence. That wasn't planned. Uh -huh. So how did Jason get five points? Did he just get one flag and die? Was that well? That's, exactly. That's exactly what I did. That, you were going for the low score challenge. You got the your, lowest possible lowest? score. Yeah. Yes, exactly. For the lowest possible score, you have to. My, my my tips are to get one flag, and then immediately just keep hitting the uh, smoke screen until you're just about out of fuel, and then just <laughs> run into a, and run into one of the red cars. He just likes having his name read first. Well, no, it's actually better to get all the flags, uh, get all the flags, but leave one, die, and then start the level again so that your fuel counter is on max, and then get that last flag, because then you get the entire bonus for that level. 
I noticed that, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. No. But See, we're going, going for life, opposite though. levels here. We're, we're going, going for opposite times, things here. Though. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and originally I thought, oh, that, that's a bug. I can't have that. But then I thought, well, okay, you do gain some extra points. So that could be fun trying to do that. You do lose a car, though. So there is a price to pay uh, for that. So I left it in. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, so, yeah, I tried you... to put little tricks like that in there, you know, little uh, tricks that you can uh, gain extra points on to make it interesting. Nick, and would, originally you call, the... would you call that color uh, pink on the curbs like? It's magenta, actually. Magenta, well, that, okay. That's its proper. Yeah, I call it pink as well. Okay, because... Uh... <laughs> Some of the um, streets around here, uh, we have they're painted red on the on the curb because they don't want you to park there. But the sun is so terrible here that uh, uh, it turns to pink just like yeah. that. <laughs> so it looks yeah. kind of familiar to me. <laughs> we have a comment from uh, Frodo in the chat too. He says, "I'm glad you left out the rocks," which of course was in the original rally. Actually. Yeah, yeah. There's no rocks. Mm. Well, in the original Rally X, uh, the, the the roads were wider. Well, or rather, the, you could have wider roads. So there was a more open space. So you, if you had rocks, you could go around the rocks. But my roads are all one lane. So Sorry. there'd be no room to get around a rock. So I thought, oh, I better leave that out. That'd be too hard to ask. So we're saying that Rally L, Rally SG doesn't rock. It doesn't <laughs> rock, no. No. Huh. Cool stuff, um, cool stuff. All right, well, thank yeah. you for uh, for answering the questions. And, and seriously, this is one of the best games. Uh, you've written really, really great games. This is one of my favorites, though, for sure. It's really, really fun. Uh, I, I was going to ask if, if Ken, if he's still on too, if he, what his thoughts of it was, because this was, I think, one of the first new Coco games he's purchased probably in 30 years. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Rally X was definitely uh, one of my go-to games back in the day. So uh, if it wasn't Ghosts and Goblins in the arcade, it was Rally X. So. Cool. As I see you're running in the background there too. So. Yeah. Unfortunately, I uh, only had my Black Beauty to play on, though, which I think is a little harder than a self-centering joystick. Yeah. yeah. I used the gamepad. This, this game screams for a gamepad. Oh, one thing I did find was with the talking of joysticks, was with, I played it with the deluxe joystick as well on self-centering mode. You have to have the trims set perfectly. Otherwise, if you don't, it'll turn a certain direction when the stick's in the middle. Oh, it already... Yeah. Yeah, it always turns automatically. If it, it always turns, yeah. I mean, that's how the original was as well. The car by itself, okay. if you do nothing, it will always drive straight. And if it hits a wall, it always turns right. Okay. So, I, mean, right, right. I mean, right now it's in demo mode. If you watch it, I think, oh, maybe not. No, I think but it's This playing. is the gameplay. Yeah. If, if you let it go, it just drives straight and uh, turns right every time. Yeah, so the okay. car never stops. The car doesn't stop. But but David is right. I mean, because you have a very tight center point where you switch between what direction you're going. Yeah. If you adjust those pots a little bit on the deluxe joystick, you can get it to favor going a different direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And and you could compensate for that by widening that 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 dead point even more. But uh, I don't know. It's just trying to trying to get the best balance. You you didn't want to be swinging the stick so far just to go left and right you know you want to have yeah, yeah. a bit of control in the middle so you know 
Yeah, which is critical if you're trying to like quickly change direction. Shoot, yeah, you can throw a smoke screen at at one of the cars and then immediately yeah. flip around the other direction again. So. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I use a um, a Wyco digital stick, and uh, it's uh, it works well on that. So, well, that's what I'm used to anyway. Yeah, and it worked good in the docks when I was playing. So. Yeah. So have you sold a few copies, Nick? Oh yeah, it sold over fifty, so it was good. Oh, good. Yeah, not bad for a little five dollar title. Yeah. Oh, it's excellent cool. value. The resi cost of entertainment. Yeah, that's it's a real right. It's a real <laughs> that really is a real bargain. <laughs> the red cars in there too. They're Ferraris, of course. They're, they're, they're all my Ferraris, all four of them. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little known, but Nick actually did some intensive 3D modeling based on his Ferrari collection <laughs> to draw the cars for this. So. <laughs> actually, there was a fair bit of modeling because trying to get the colors within the semi-graphic modes color limitations, yeah, I had to, I had to really struggle a bit to get the best-looking cars. So, mm. Yeah, I remember some of your so, prototypes when you were first doing it. Yeah, I had some better-looking cars, but they only look good when they drive in, say, the horizontal position. As soon as you went vertical, all the colors went all over the place. So, oh. yeah. or, or the proportions went way out. Yeah, so or the proportions like went car. out. Yeah, it's um, yeah, the semi-graphics isn't a perfect mode, but it it is the uh, an eight-color mode for the oh, Coco beautiful. one and two. Beautiful so. number of colors for sure. Now yeah. this this mode here, could you have done text? I know for Coco three it wouldn't show up, but could you have put text in this mode too, or does that only have to be an no. SG twenty four? Only S. No, it works. Uh, it works no, on it, this, it, but only on the Coco one and two. Okay. Yeah, on the Coco one and two it does. On the Coco three, you've only got text when you use SG uh, semi graphics four, which is your normal text screen uh, on on the Coco. But any of the other semi graphics modes, you can't put text on a Coco three. So hence until why the Gimme X, the Gimme X actually does well, fix that, but that's not up yet. So. Yeah. So hence why all my graphics are, all my text rather is is uh, graphically drawn, mm -hmm. so I that it works that. on a, it works on a Coco Three. The problem I like your is, number font. I like the font you use for numbers. It's not bad. It, it's it, it is big. That's as small as I can make it. I mean, there are higher higher SG gra uh, semi graphics twenty four, but that's only higher vertically. It doesn't give you anything extra horizontally so right. and that's also why the the score displays are only four digit because i couldn't get more digits in yeah that's right you left a <laughs> note during the show in case in case, during the week in case anybody rolled it the screen had well this way yeah, i wanted uh, i i was always wary that um, someone might be really good and might uh, roll the uh, score so uh yeah what happens after nine 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 well, it goes back to zero, obviously. So the, the game itself actually is recording a five-digit score. So although it'll, it'll be showing zero, it will have an extra digit where you, which you can't see. And what the program does is when that happens, it changes the color of the score to let you know that, yep, you are actually uh, you know, in a 5,000 plus score. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So... But no one's gotten to that point, so that's all right. <laughs> My vote is cargo will do it first. I, <laughs> well, I he's got 70% there. Yeah, I watched <laughs> him play. He's very good. But, uh, yeah, I think getting 999 might might still be a struggle. Yeah. It's I got 12 the, levels. Uh, oh, sorry. No, yeah, that's right. 
I was going to say, the, uh, oh, go as far as scrolling was concerned, the, um, the, the, the vertical scrolling is actually is smoother than the horizontal scrolling. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it could be even smoother because you can vary the uh, vertical res in semi-graphics and go for a really fine vertical scroll. You just couldn't get that in horizontal. Horizontal yeah. is, is, well, um, I'm doing byte, byte movements, which is, you know, 32 characters uh, but even if I could do pixel, the, the absolute minimum, that's 64 pixels. That's what I was trying to get originally. But uh, you can't get anything less than that. And if, if, if you don't have your vertical and horizontal scrolling the same, then what happens is that your game looks like it goes fast yeah, in the horizontal, yeah. uh, horizontal and and, yeah, right. and that's kind yeah. of like death trap had a little bit of that you know because yeah you know it's it's easier when you're just doing a vertical shift of bits versus having yeah. to do you know horizontal exactly. shift so yeah because um, vertically you're just shifting bytes. You're, yeah you're shifting entire yeah. bytes yeah, at a time nah. yeah no nah, so you can get horizontal you're shifting by bits, so. vertical yeah and this is this is why i've used semi graphics eight because the pixels are relatively square i think it's a 64 by 64 uh, matrix uh for the pixels mm -hmm. So that gives you a square, a pixel, and allows for that scrolling to be equal. If you look in the radar, that's the size of one pixel. Those yeah, you want, that for the, you want that for the radar to be nice. Yeah, clear. yeah, and I want it for the radar as well. But, um, yeah, it, 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 this mode takes up 2K of RAM, so it's fairly economical as well. So gaming kind of design question, if the vertical scrolling is slower, could you do like a ortho display and automatically make it look proper you could versus... you can you can just write uh in your vertical your oh. vertical graphics would be written up uh you know four times versus just the once oh, yeah, i would just i was just thinking it would naturally look slower up and down yeah, yeah. so if you just kind of skip tipped your graphics over to make that appear to be some kind of ortho projection or something it just works <laughs> yeah it, it's possible but uh yeah uh there are there are some problems i wanted i wanted to keep the uh the, the frame rate to be the same and 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 do the same amount of processing for whether it's going vertical or horizontal so hence i went for something that was yeah kind of a consistent for a consistent yeah consistent yeah. otherwise i'd have to make slow one down or speed another one up and yeah, speed as as I no, said. I mean, it works. It works, and at yeah, the, at the works, end of the day, yeah. it's is the game fun to play? And this game, the answer to this is oh, absolutely. Very and um, I think the the lo-fi, you know, fat pixels really help sell this as a retro game. Uh, it looks good. So the big, nice, square, blocky pixels and the fonts and everything, it all just this. It feels. It looks. It looks as good as it feels, and it plays. Is good too. So it's it really is kind of like the perfect storm of. It work. looks very Atari VCS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So yeah, pick up your copy from nickmarentes.com. I highly recommend this. Yeah. Yeah, he needs more Ferraris, folks. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. I want to get the Look six at this Ferraris. For, for, yeah, for every for every copy sold, you can get another jar of Vegemite. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and his last... toy box isn't full yet. <laughs> Anything else you want to say, Nick? Toy box garage. Anything uh, else you want to say, man? No, nah, that's about it. I'm done. Far out. Well, th thank you. This mm. is thank you for this game. It's it's seriously awesome. Mm. Cool. 
strangely hungry for a burger now. Yeah. So <laughs> Nick, Marent, Nick Marota. Yes, sir. Um, are we ready? For are the... we ready to reveal what the game of the week next week is going to be? I am, and this is uh, going to step on Curtis a little bit. But next week's world game will be. Dun, dun, Digger dun, dun, dun. three, Digger three, has released a... by Chet just a couple days ago, actually yesterday I believe. Um, early, early, yes. Oh, I hate when that menu comes down. This is actually a free game. There's a screenshot. Probably one of the best Coco three games we have seen in a long time. I would rank this in the top ten Coco three games. Period. Yeah. Myself. Yeah. Maybe top five. Actually, maybe. Yeah, so this game's available for free, and uh, to get it, you go to the TR City Color Computer channel. Under Files, you'll see Digger3.disc. Just download that. Uh, rename it for your SDC, because it's actually nine characters. So just uh, re uh, rename the, to Digger Numeral 3, maybe. And uh, This is on Facebook, by the way. Yeah, this is on, did I say, what did I say? You said Facebook. Yeah, okay, Facebook. The uh, yeah, go to Facebook, Tier City Colors Computer Files. And, I don't uh, know if he submitted it to the archive yet. Like I know the archive sometimes takes up to a week to get you know new uploads put up. So hopefully it'll be there as well. But yeah, so it's basically uh, we'll start from level one always and just get as far as you can and record your score because this game actually has a pass uh, a password system where you can start from any level. Um, but we'll start from level one and uh, just get as far as you can and, and record that as your score. Yeah, Brian well, Weasler just system requirements that. too. Um, it requires a Coco three, as, as Nick said. It requires five twelve k, sixty eight oh nine, sixty eight oh nine. So you're, and you're fine currently, now. it also only gives you a, a decent display on an RGB monitor or emulator with RGB. It does not have a composite mode. Oh, correct. Yes, you need RGB. Uh, Except if you're on a Pell Coco three, because it takes the composite signal from the RGB. Yeah. Th thanks a, for rubbing that in, David. Um, <laughs> that was a that was a um um a design decision by chat so he says rgb so rgb go. for the win there, there's a reason for that the subtlety of the colors like for example the blues for example there's there's you know you know there's dark blue medium blue light blue on the on rgb in the composite uh we have a ton of greens on the cocoa there's like seven or eight i would call green but there's only two real good blues and the rest are getting into cyans and stuff so a lot of the subtle shading he's got, you know, for rocks and the background and stuff, you can't quite duplicate properly on composite, no matter how hard you try. Yeah, this is beautiful. The uh, video display might not be sure, might not be serving uh, justice, but the graphics are. Gorgeous. No, no, this thing, this thing to me looks like it could be on a Super Nintendo. This looks like a 16-bit game, or an Amiga or, or Atari like, ST. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like even the animation when he runs and every the animation is just yeah. great and and. Uh, yeah. Special yeah, yeah. thank you to Chad ahead of time. Uh, we'll be talking more about this next week, obviously, but thanks to Jeff for releasing this game and making it free. Yeah. Uh, and was... Go ahead. Uh, who was going to speak? I think it was James. James, wasn't it? Uh, I was just going to say it kind of reminds me of Lemmings. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, or uh, Load Runner. Yeah, One other thing I'll mention, too, because like, there's no documentation for it, really. Is that it will play on keyboard or joystick, but on the keyboard, in order to get it to play easier on your hands on a real Coco keyboard, it's not the four arrow keys to move. Left and right arrow moves you. Left and right spacebar digs, but A and Z 
or A and Z, depending on where you are, Z. Uh, is your up and down. So if you want to play on keyboard, I personally, I find it easier to play on keyboard than joystick. Um, you just remember that that's your up and down. That's that's not you know a standard for most Coca games. And what's the key oh. to turn on the background sound effects? Here? Was it S oh, or M? M. M. I don't think that works anymore. I think he disabled it on the final version because he uh. actually used the extra RAM that he was using for those sound effects for some of the extra levels and stuff that okay. come up later. So yeah, he squeezed every bit of RAM he could out of it. This this uses the entire 512K now. Oh wow! So you're getting your money's worth if you have 512K. Yeah. There's not a single K. Well, I don't know if that's true, but there's it's fully it's virtually fully used. All right, so that, that'll looks, be our looks great, plays great. This is a game to make you proud to own a Coco Three. Less filling, and I won't be getting any sleep. Mm. <laughs> oh, keep in mind, oh, no. keep in mind our hearts for extra lives too. So you definitely want to grab those. All oh, right, so there's, there's there's hearts for extra lives, so you definitely want to grab those. Yeah. Oh, okay. And and on later levels, it gets to be puzzly because you have to figure out how do I dig in certain things, and also you can dig sideways, which is necessary on later levels. Um, to be able to figure out how to get to certain gold or get to certain hearts or even just to get you know through a level type thing. There's also like vines that kind of hide things behind it that you can crawl behind. Sometimes there's like rings and gold and stuff you can barely see. So you have to kind of keep an eye out for that too. It's a really extravagant version of Loadrunner. It's so far past Loadrunner. All right. So that'll be our game for the week. And uh, again, I look forward to uh, pick up your copy from Facebook for now and uh, or keep your eye on the archive. And... Uh... I look forward to seeing what you guys are able to do with it. Thanks, excellent. Scott. Thanks again. Excellent, right, excellent. Stop right there. Thank you for sharing there. Um, okay, so Mark Overholzer is leaving us. Thank you, Mark, for being here. Thank you for 50 people for watching us live right now. Thank you, and we're sorry. Um, Canadian Retro <laughs> Things is still here. Ken is here. But Rick Adams is here, too. So how about we hear from... Rick Adams, because Rick Adams has really also released a n new Coco game this week, a project he's been working on for quite a bit. So welcome, Rick. Hello. And uh, yeah, I've been working on it for, it looks like, about a year and three months. And uh, so of all the games that I had in my head back in the day, back, you know, 30, 40 years ago, uh, we all know about, you know, Temple of Rom and Shanghai and Bomb Threat, uh, which actually was finished. Uh, but there was also Omnistar, which was just sort of a general idea. And I had sort of a proof of concept done, uh, but hadn't gotten beyond that. So and uh, like Bomb Threat, there's no way that uh, 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 I could ever find the source to what I started with. So. Uh, I had to start completely from scratch again and uh, not only had to fill in what I had, but then I had to like sort of make a complete game uh, after that. So it's sort of a, uh, you know, a command line interface uh, hacker type game. You're hacking into this computer system and, you know, trying to bring down the bad guys. Uh, sort of a sort of a cross between uh, Hunt the Wumpus and uh, Dungeons of Daggerith. And... Uh, so I finished that off, and the thing that really hung me up the longest was the end game. There's no way I could make the end game after you've been battling this computer system for so long, trying to make it go down. Once it goes down, what kind of ending would you put on it that would be really satisfying? And I, well, I did the best that I could, but I don't know that it's all that satisfying. It's I, I joked about you know, well, I'm going to get to you're going to get to the end of the game, and it's going to say, "Yay, you won." 
Now go back to your huh. life. Right. Nothing to see here. <laughs> right. So actually, uh, uh, people have played it, uh, an earlier version of it that was a little less elaborate at, uh, uh, at uh, Cocoa Fest. And a few people won it there without notes, which I thought was pretty impressive because uh, I really expected it would, to take several days and uh, people to be whipping out pieces of paper and writing down notes of what does what and all that sort of stuff. Because uh, when you go into the game, you're not given a whole lot to go on. There are instructions that give you some pretty good hints, uh, and you should read that carefully. Uh, but other than that, you're pretty much thrown into the deep end of the pool, and it's up to you to figure things out. Uh, you know, you're, you're pre presented with a login screen, and it's like, well, that's great. Uh, how do I log in? What accounts are there? It's like, who knows? Uh, so you have to sort of guess and blunder around and uh, and do the best as you can. But uh, the the finished version that I came out with like a couple of days ago, uh, I did have some people uh, playing it just to see if they could find bugs. And that doesn't tend to work very well. Uh, what really brings out the bugs is if your game is in the uh, the game on challenge. <laughs> then, they will... <laughs> then it will get a really good workout. Uh, so Paul Fiscarelli has played it to the end, and he sent me a uh, a screenshot of the screen that you get at the end, and which he is keeping under his hat because it has uh, as a reward it has a very silly message that it gives you. Okay. And if you get to the end, you will recognize that that message, and you will go, "Oh yeah, 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 you're Rick, you idiot." <laughs> but, uh, but that's for me to know, and and Paul Fiskerly to know, and for you to find out at this point. Uh, so it's kind of interesting, since uh, you log in, and there are all these programs that are left behind by fellow hackers that have broken in before and lost the game, theoretically. Um, and what do all these programs do? And you have to, you know, put them in your inventory and, and you have to execute them and, and see what happens when you fire this thing off. Something good, something bad, who knows? And you'll find out. Uh, so what do we do when people are playing this thing over a, a period of time? Is there gonna be uh, online uh, discussion boards where people say, okay, here's a list of all the programs and what they do you know, and uh, the best strategies. And it's like, uh, what sorts of things are people going to do and what's going to be spoiling the game and what's going to be fair play? I don't, I really don't know how that's going to shake out. It's kind of an inter interesting question. And then you can get to the end and you can get the uh, uh, the end screen, which I tried to make as, as satisfying as possible, but I don't think it's all that. Uh, uh, playing the game is it's sort of like the journey is the fun part and the, the, the end game is not, that exciting uh but what would happen if you take a screenshot of that and just like post that on facebook it's like well there you don't you don't need to play the game anymore you know so that's all kind of interesting to me uh so with this game being finished that wraps up all the games that were in my head back in the day are now done and now what do i do now so i'm gonna have to work on that uh are we going to uh, put this in a cart. Uh, well, maybe, maybe not. I'm not really sure about that. Uh, I'm not sure that all of the code is positioned independent. I caught some code that wasn't, 
And so it makes me wonder if I got careless when I was writing it and not all the code is positioned independent code. So that would make it difficult to put in a cart. So I'd have to find all that, root that out. I'd have to sweet talk Joel into doing uh, some art for the cartridge. Uh, but at this point, uh, and, and the other nice thing is that I'm, I've got it on the, uh, uh, the, the direct download site, the itch.io site. So if you go to rickadams.itch.io, uh, you'll find my games there that are available for direct uh, download. Uh, and the nice thing about that is that once you've bought the game, then uh, if I come out with another version of it that fixes some bugs or adds a feature, uh, you can come by, since you've already bought the game, you can just uh, drop by and pick that up for nothing. So that would be awesome. Uh, and so that's what's happening with that. So any questions or uh, anything you might want to say at this point? Uh, I, I play tested an early version of the game and I was able to finish it before there was uh, an ending. I love mm -hmm. the I love the idea. I love the concept of it. It is definitely different. It's mm -hmm. cerebral and it is still visual. There's enough visual to make it not completely you know, text oriented, but I love the whole kind of hacker idea of, I don't know what's going on. What do I do? And that would be, that would be <laughs> what would happen if you were trying to break into another system. I, you know, you want to shut down evil corp, but how do I do it now that I'm, <laughs> now that I'm inside, I have to sneak around and figure things out. Right. Um, yep. That premise I, I, I should cool. have called it evil corp. That's not a bad name. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, I, I, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I, I think one of my suggestions of maybe you still have in there was because it's like a terminal. I ask you if you could have an up arrow repeat, where you know uh, cause, I did that. Yeah, yeah, you did that, and so that's still there. So uh, that's one of the things because it was it, the screen layout very much reminded me of working like on an IBM um, PC, and and so when you're used to working on those systems, you're used to hitting up arrow, even in Linux or anything else, you're used to being able to repeat mm -hmm. your last command. So I, know, I remember that was one of my early feature requests. So hopefully that's still in there. And, it is in there. And I look forward to playing the official completed version now too. So very cool. Mm -hmm. So we should mention the system requirements too. So it's a Cocoa 3 game. Oh, good now, point. It requires RGB because you're using 80 column by 225, I think. Right. You RGB. And you need a godly monitor because <laughs> you know the, the the resolution is quite something. If you try this on composite, composite, uh, composite or composite, whichever you know, what is the proper pronunciation of that? I've always I have no idea. It. Depends where you are. If you say you if from, you yeah. say Z, anyway, it's composite. Yeah, yeah. it's blurry. <laughs> Either one would you would not have a good time. I'm quite yeah. sure. If you got artifacting involved, oh, it would just be horrendous. Yeah, yeah it's, they're using the 640 resolution monitor, yeah right? so it's super high so you rest. need a really crispy monitor yeah yeah now does it run crispy. on 120k or does it need 512 or uh that's a good question i've never looked to see how big it is right now i doubt you need all that much uh i'll have to take a look that that's really something that people should know so i'll figure that out <laughs> <laughs> you can just sell it with an upgrade i guess yeah yeah, yeah. I don't think going... it needs all that much. <laughs> Are you going to release a version of, of it on cassette with a bonus three dog night track on it? <laughs> <laughs> you can have that playing. Like Jeremiah loader. was yeah. a bullfrog. Yeah. <laughs> that could be the loader That's... music, you know, while it's loading yeah. the game. <laughs> Audio on, motor oh. on. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, congratulations, Rick. Another fine quality product from legendary game designer from the mind of legendary game designer Rick Adams. This latest. Yeah, it's in it's in the game on news. So we'll show a screenshot just so people know what we're talking about as well. So yes. right, right. I've I've sold a grand total of ten copies so oh, far. Okay, I'll have to get on there later. That on Ferrari today. is not far behind. Well, you only released a couple days ago, right? It's only been like three huh? days, four days. It's only been like three or yeah. four. Days. Yeah. And this is the first, uh, besides your Facebook post, I think the first really public announcement about it. It's uh, right. you mentioned Discord and stuff, so this hopefully will uh, Discord and Facebook and the mail list. All right. Well, now that now that it's aired on our show, expect ones to twos more sales out of this. So yeah. Right. <laughs> you might want to move your car to the driveway to leave room for the money truck to back up. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent. It's kind of it's kind of interesting thinking of the pricing structure uh, on this direct download site, uh, they have all kinds of different ways that you can price it. Uh And one way, originally, uh, I had it, uh, uh, it was a suggested price of $15. Okay. But, but it was loose. It was like, if you want to pay 20, if you want to pay five, if you want to pay zero, that's, you know, go right ahead. Uh, so, and then a few days after that, I changed it to, well, no, you have to pay a, a minimum of 15. If you want to pay me more, that's fine, but, uh, okay. you know, but a minimum of 15. So, you, you know, it, it turned off the option of paying zero. Uh, and I'm making less now than uh, now that I've made that change. So I, I kind of wonder if there's some sort of psychological effect there. It's like, oh, I could have it for free, but that makes me feel terribly guilty. So uh, who knows? Yeah, that's re- that's really going off the guiltware model. Yeah, interesting. You mentioned that too. I I, I found a similar thing with my music, with selling albums. Um, I put them on Bandcamp, and you can actually put up there on Bandcamp that people can pay whatever they want, or you can set a minimum price or a, or a higher price. And mm-hmm. at first, I had all my albums up there for ten dollars um, mm-hmm. as a minimum price, and people could pay more if they wanted to. And then I dropped it down to seven dollars, and it's only three dollars difference. But I had people paying more when I had it listed for less than what I did when I had it listed for more. Yeah. Mm. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. All the psychology involved. Mm. Absolutely. But I think, I think the community is pretty good at supporting um, people's endeavors when, when we're working on projects. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yep. That, that trip now, Rick- to Duluth is not far, not far away. <laughs> Now, Rick, you, you had to go early, I think, didn't you? You'd not be staying to the end of the show, or are you staying? Or uh, I won't. I won't be staying till the end of the show. Uh, I don't know how long I'm staying. Okay. So well, the reason the reason I asked that is because right. I did have a, a a real quick update that I was going to uh, mention during the updates and acquisitions. Oh, okay. Um, but now, but because you're on the show, Rick. Um, I figured it might be worthwhile <laughs> just doing a quick, a quick mention of it now, and you know okay. what it is because I mentioned it to you during the week. Okay, right, right. Um, but, but I don't know if it, I, I can't see this, the the the, uh, the screen share there, Stevie. So I'm not sure what people are seeing, but um, if I'll they're seeing my, you. yeah, yep, yeah. uh, arrived in the mail um, a couple of days ago is this cassette. Uh, whoops, let me hold that up again from okay. Rick Adams. First and annual fair Isaac Talent Show musical acts May twenty first nineteen eighty two. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, and that it's on a, a nice Maxell Chrome cassette. Um, so yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I, I haven't uh, I haven't played the Three Dog Night track on this one yet, but <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, it's it's I'm looking forward to actually to putting that in and and uh, you know. Um, is this is this the same or similar one that you'd also sent to Neil to digitize for you? Yes, yes. Okay. So this is the second go round for this, uh, and uh, you'll you'll do it. It's like I am not an audiophile enough to be able to tell the difference between the sound quality between one uh, attempt to pull the music off of that and the other, but other people might be. So okay. that's yeah. And my specialty is is you know I, I worked as a mastering engineer for a number of years and I still do mastering mm -hmm. these days. Um, and I've got a love of, of, of old retro technology. Obviously, I'm on this show, uh, mm -hmm. and cassettes is a big part of that. And, uh, you know, I always used to like to try and get the best I could out of cassettes. So I've got the really high-end Nakamichi cassette decks and, and whatnot here. So it'll be a really mm -hmm. interesting challenge to see if I can get the absolute maximum possible quality off this cassette. Right. And, uh, and he wanted to take a crack at it, and, you know, and it's like it's going to be fun for him. So I decided just to do this. So it's sure. fine. This is where we, yeah. heard, we heard the yep. blues song before, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was good. That was good. You got you have you have real promise. Okay. You'll go far. <laughs> You'll go far, <laughs> yeah. Rick Adams. You'll go far, <laughs> You'll go far Rick Adams. All <laughs> right. Well, we got we have game on news. We've got Ken's going to talk about his game. But how about we do this? We're going to take a quick commercial break, and and Rondovo, if you need to go potty, now is your time to do that. Uh, and then we'll be back. We're going to hear about Canadian Retro Things Basic Project. we got some more gaming news, more to talk about after these words. So everyone's favorite, Coco Do, to play us through the break. Coco Talk will return after these messages. Un ordinateur couleur, quelle personnalité Le Coco 2 de Radio Sac. On solde pour Noël à partir de 149,95. And now, Coco Thought by Samuel Gimes. If you're using your color computer in Quebec, and it stops working, is it now a Coco won't do? Hi, Ron Delvo, Timberman, Coco Fest, Coco Talk. In a world where RGB produces black and white video, One cable can make a difference. Switcheroo. Coco3scartcable.com Hey, have you got your Coco 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. 
What's going on everybody? Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here, and if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, then you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. There you will find custom designs by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. You can get I'm a Coconut, Coco Talk, and other cool video game images on a t-shirt, coffee mug, or mouse pack. So if you love retro, then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Radio Shack Storewide Manager's Red Tag Sale is on now. We've slashed prices 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%. Save on famous Radio Shack Hi-Fi, car stereo, radios, toys, TV games, calculators, walkie-talkies, and CB radios. Look for the big red tag. Save like never before on these and literally hundreds of red tag specials. Hurry into Radio Shack today. Hi, this is Randy Kindig of the Foppy Days Podcast. I just love me some cocoa, and nobody covers it better than Steve Strobridge. You're listening to Cocoa Talk. And we're back. Hopefully Ron Delvo has fully evacuated everything. Um, and we got more gaming news to talk about. Our special guest today, Ken waters aka canadian retro things uh so tell us about what you got going on and feel free to screen share or if you need to point us to a youtube video to play or whatever you want to do um well basically uh like i was saying earlier i got my first uh coco 2 when i was you know 11 or 12 years old back in the early 80s and uh i tried to make a game back then unsuccessfully so I've uh, picked up that again and uh, am going at it again. Um, it's basically a uh, alien attack game. Uh, aliens have attacked Earth and completely wiped out most of the human race. You're the commander of the last surviving base. And you've got to hold the aliens off long enough to allow escape ships to get away. And uh, so you start out, it's just uh, kind of like... Uh, Space Invaders type. Um, ship at the bottom of the screen shooting aliens as they come down. Once enough of them landed, it's going to go to the second stage, which is uh, fighting the aliens in the corridors of the base to, well, people escape. So, um, it's yeah. a pretty, pretty unique premise. Alien invasion yeah, is something unique. that hasn't been done too much. So, yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things I've, I really liked about it when I designed it when I was a kid, uh, one of the limitations I found originally trying to do it is I could only get the ship to fire one bullet at a time. So uh, I decided I'd work that into the game. And so when you fire a bullet, it won't kill the um, aliens. Uh, you have to actually detonate the uh, missile in the air to destroy them. Ah, so that got well, that, me around the. That is a that is a neat feature. Yeah, yeah, it got me around the uh, the problem of having more than one missile on the screen at a time. Basically, you hit the fire button once to fire, a second time to detonate it. And uh, oh, so you're so, kind of like launching uh, an explosive device, but it's yeah, not, you're it, launching missiles at them. Yeah, but, and then you detonate. Stevie, did you want me to screen share his video and he can kind of talk over? Uh, yeah, unless unless you, there's anything you want to screen share yourself, Ken, or do you want Curtis to show off your YouTube video? Uh, 
Well, you can show off the YouTube video. A lot of it's just showing the actual code. <laughs> but, uh... Or... Actually, I'll unmute it so it doesn't... Uh... Yeah. Um, one of the things, uh, also, when I was... When I'm writing... As I'm writing it now, um... I've uh, just used uh, set and reset a lot, which I've discovered is, of course, not the most convenient way or the uh, best way to do it. So I'm in the process right now of rewriting it with uh, either poking the graphics in or using the printout statements. I was planning on going into higher resolution, but I think I'm just going to stick to the low resolution so that I can actually finish this game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Is there a particular um, spot you'd like me to fast forward here on the video? Um, like maybe some of the actual actually maybe uh, I've just brought it up here. I can maybe screen share here. Oh, okay. Do, uh, uh, um, let me just see. Okay. Oh, it says that I can't screen share. Oh, hold on one second here. Try it again. Go and um, there we go. Okay, there. So where am I right now? Um, so this is yeah. This is just basically the ship moving on the bottom. Then uh, this is where you're uh, firing up. Anytime now. There. Um, there you, you go. fire up and then you detonate it. Oh, neat. To... I like that. There's a little explosion when it first fires, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Like yeah. gun smoke sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then, like a uh, barrel flare. Yeah, like I said, uh, I just did a lot of set and reset, which I'm in the process of changing right now because that's a, a slow way, as I've discovered, of doing it. It's a good way to prototype, though. It's easier to yeah. picture in your head what you're drawing, but yeah. Am I correct and, to say you have to hit a certain part of the ship as well for it to count? Uh, that was the um, initial thing. Um, like I have each ship is drawn from an X, Y coordinate and then X plus one, Y minus one type stuff. So uh, you had to catch the X, Y position, which I was counting as the cockpit yeah. in the explosion. But probably when I redo it, it won't be quite that precise. Okay. Um, if I'm using uh, poking or printout statements, it'll be more just the right pixel or the right uh, four pixel byte or whatever. Yeah. Well, another so, thing you could do is if you're if you're doing if you're poking it, you could actually peek the location on the screen. Yeah. And that'd be an easy way to detect if something that if it's there because if the if the space is blank, then there's nothing. If there's anything yeah. else there, then you know you hit something, and then you can then zone in on what am I close to. And let's let's detonate that object. Yeah, that's one of the things I was thinking of. I had uh, designed it also with uh, having um, just uh, basically a binary thing, zero or one. So zero means the ship's in the air, one means the ship's not. So then it's easier to see if you hit one of the ships on screen. It'll only check for the ones that are actual printed, but... The peaking is probably a better way. And this is just the ships falling, Tetris pieces falling. Yeah, it's neat. Uh, you did call that in the video, didn't you? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> We're being attacked by Tetris. <laughs> We're being I've had nightmares about that. Tetris invaders. <laughs> <laughs> ah. 
And uh, yeah, just go forward here. Yeah, there we go. Here, it's actually shooting some of them. And then you hit detonate, and then okay. Oh, and I missed. <laughs> okay. You see how the color changed there? That's kind of what Nick was talking about with the semi-graphics. You can't have two yeah. colors, two different colors in the same spot. It's black and one color. There you go. That's kind of Missile Command looking there, that explosion, too. That's a neat effect, that explosion effect. Yeah. So, if and you saw in that one, if I didn't hit the cockpit, so it uh, just keeps It wasn't going. precise, yeah. It wasn't precise enough, so. That's neat. It works. It's functional. You got a scoreboard. You've got stuff happening. It's not terribly slow for being set and reset, but you 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 know there's lots of room for improvement in this in basic, yeah, which is which yeah, is great. Yeah. And when uh, more things are on the screen, it's going to slow down more. <laughs> I mean, it slowed down significantly just having three things on the screen over when it was just the ship moving around on the bottom. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Neat. Who's that guy? Uh, <laughs> is, that, is, that 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 shirt. is that Leo Laporte? <laughs> <laughs> that Holy cow. <laughs> Neat. Very cool. So, yeah, that is uh, what I'm working on right now. Um, I'm hoping to have, uh, you know, an update at least every couple of weeks on it so cool is this um, the first uh, game program you've tried tackling i think you mentioned you did one for the mc10 you were trying at one point i there, was but... trying to, i was trying to make a dungeon crawler for the mc10 i successfully drew a maze and could move a pixel around inside of it but that's as far as i got um when i was a kid i uh did write a few just kind of like uh choose your own adventure stories yeah text things mm -hmm. nothing too complicated just choose a or b or c or put in a little bit of randomness on it in it too so we just got a live payment on youtube from patrick randolph and he says just bought my coco sdc uh just got my coco sdc up last night thanks voice on tech and thanks for the ten dollar live payment there patrick uh Ooh. Cool. Nice. And yeah, so we look forward to that progress. So uh, we'll go ahead. What's the, let me see if I still have the link to your channel. No, that was Rick Adams. If somebody could post uh, Canadian Retro Things YouTube channel again, make sure you guys subscribe to his channel. That way you can see when these updates. And Just you know. Just got my Coco SDC up last night. Thanks, boys and tech. There we go. YouTube just did a, a live on air um, text to speech for that too. Um, yeah, so post that. We got there. There we go. Brian Weezer just did. Thank you. And uh, Curtis usually features your videos in our news segment. So we'll be we're going to be showing you off one way or the other. But feel free to come in and talk to us in person if you like for some updates. Yeah, um, I'll be putting up two specific links here from your last week here. We've already kind of covered them, so I won't you know dwell on them too long. But uh, yeah, very cool. Well, we're we're thank you for being here, and feel free to hang out. And uh, Curtis is going to go over some more gaming news, which might include some more of your stuff. Uh, so, L. Curtis Boyle, you have the you have the floor, sir. Shall do. Got sharing there. You are sharing. 
Yep. Okay, so I mentioned oh. last week that the Amigos had uh, done their ARG Presents and the Coco actually came up on their wheel. <clears throat> so they actually did it. But they had some problems on the Twitch stream when it was actually streaming live on last Sunday. Um, so like it, video kept cutting out and stuff. They had some issues with their local internet or hillbilly internet, as they call it. I love that term. <laughs> so they, uh, they put up on YouTube now the final version, which is basically a locally recorded version. So all that you know jitteriness and stuff is gone. So for those of you who may have tried to watch it last week and had issues like I did trying to watch it, uh, the full version's up. So that covers Interbank Incident and Rad Warrior, as we mentioned last week. So just wanted to mention that. And then also um, John Schaller did his hour and a half stream of uh, Coco Games there on Twitch, as which also I think he had less glitches on that particular one, but he had a few in there too. So the YouTube version of this is up as well, with you know local recording, so the hiccups are gone type thing. So definitely a good good episode there too. Next up, we have our uh, weekly Jim Gary update. So he has yet another MC10 conversion. This is a game called Lem from Creative Computing in 1976. For those of you who don't know, Creative Computing was one of the earliest uh, home computer uh, magazines, along with Byte and a few others. Um, so this is a lunar landing one. Now, this is a little bit different than most. Like most lunar landers, you have like a little drawing of the, the ground, and you have to try to land on a flat spot type thing. This is more of an instrument panel side view type thing. So you can see kind of the layout there, and you have to like kind of steer your coordinates to keep yourself centered to land. Um, so it's a bit of a different take on the on lunar lander here, and a bit more a bit more technically oriented, probably closer to the real thing, I'm guessing. I haven't personally tried to land a real lunar lander, so I'm not <laughs> sure, but. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's, it's a nice different take on it, a very so early So kind of conversion. like a flight sim. Kind of. Us, yeah. Landing sim, I guess. Yeah, you'd call landing it. sim. Not sure. Yeah. The LEM program was a staple of the old, like, teletype computer era, and They've tried to bring graphics to it in various ways, but the, the text at the bottom is basically the, the key of the program. Put in some fuel. It does various comprehensive physics calculations, and uh, supposedly you can decide budget your fuel against your time against the ground. I remember these things. They were great. I tried to write one. I got lost in the math. <laughs> I'm just going to mention this sounds perfect for a conversion for Nick Morandi's to do because of all the math involved. Yeah. So. <laughs> it was a, it's a cool take on a very, very early home computer game from 76. And as you mentioned, it was originally on terminals even before that. So We had one question from David Lord saying, where's the fire button? <laughs> <laughs> Next up, um, Simon Jonasson, of course, has done various demos on the MC10, on the Coco 1 and 2, and the Coco 3 is now actually kind of fiddling with the game engine. So this is kind of looks like it's loosely based on uh, Boulder Dash, or Bouncing Boulders, if you're familiar with the Coco version. Uh, Coco 3 version in this case here, but he just has a little 12-second video demo. I'll just play a little bit here. Obviously, he's got no bounds checking on some of the shapes here, but just to show yeah. the... He's just kind of walking through and erasing things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's neat. Yeah, so it looks pretty cool. So we'll, we'll keep progress there. This seems to be really a good year for games. I mean, we've, we've had a half a dozen, de you know, full-blown releases already, at least this year that I can think of. You know, and there's another four months still going yet. So, and there's some other projects, and you know, still in progress, like Nick's next game is already, you know, well on its way. Chet's starting the next engine for his next project too. So. It's a good time to be a Coco gamer. I'm sure Nick Morota won't mind having a bunch of new stuff to throw onto his show. No, not at all. 
Hey. And here we wanted to kind of show off Omnistar. Can you make that so picture bigger so we can... I can try. See what Facebook will do. There we go. Yeah. Now, Steve, you've actually played this game, and I haven't yet. Yes. So if you want to explain what things are here, viewers. Well, it's been a while since I played it. But um, if you look at all of these lines, it's kind of like connected dots. These are kind of like nodes in the system. And you're traveling from node to node, and you're trying to shut down the nodes by running a variety of programs. So if you look on the right-hand side um, uh, where it says command status, unrecognized command program loaded, uh, again, it's, 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 been, it's been a while. But it, the, the things he mentions like Dungeons of Dagrath, you know how you like walk into a, an area and you can like pick up a torch, right? So when you're walking into different, let's call them rooms, there might be a, a program um, on the ground and these programs are kind of like your weapons and you have to type them in at the command prompt to run them to see what they do and some of the programs will you also have like a um you have your health where it says user status and system status right and so, so you can get attacked and then your health goes down and there's certain things kind of like a potion that would increase your health there's other things that can try to shut down the node or to combat the attacking program so it's it's kind of figuring out what program do i run under what circumstance and moving from place to place, but you want to kind of break down all these lines and you want to basically disconnect everything and that's how you shut down the system. So I'm doing a really horrible job explaining it because it's probably been a year since I played it, but um, is Rick still here or did he go? I think he's gone. It would be better to have Rick explain it. <laughs> Rick's not <laughs> here, man. Yeah, but this but is... Like Bales yes. in the panel actually Let's played it since him. he released it? If yeah. anybody else on the panel has played this since uh, Rick released it this week and wants to give a, a more up-to-date explanation, especially if any changes he's done. Okay, see down there where it says workspace? That's kind of like your inventory. So one of the things there is called spinel, and that has got 100%. And then, um, yeah, the node directory, like the Amethyst and the Ruby, these are also some programs you can run. So just think of them as like your weapons or your, or your spells or your potions. There's different things you can do to try to either heal yourself um, cause damage to one of the nodes that's looking at you uh, there are some nodes that are that are like trackers and they move around so there's certain like robots that are moving around looking for you and then they'll report your location there are some that are actually going to attack you and do damage um, and um, so there are uh, computer bots running around the system that you're just kind of trying to avoid and sometimes you have to fight them um, but your goal is to attack and take down all the various nodes and you can only move to a node that's adjacent to you. So like if you're on the far left and you're in the W node, you could go to uh, R, which is up top. You could go to Victory, which is down to the bottom, or you could go to X, right? So you can only travel to one of your neighbors. So you got to say, where do I want to go from here? And you kind of want to go in some type of pattern to um, start taking things down. Um, so it's kind of like deconstructing the spider web to uh, win the game. Okay. Has anybody on the panel actually played the the actual official version that came out, which has some expanded stuff from what I understand? Oh, yeah, because see, see the status bar up there where it says um, mil, Millibot? The Millibot, those are the military bots. Those are the ones that attack you. And then you have the spy bots. Um, uh, those are the ones that are looking for you to report where you are so the Millibots can come get you. And so those are some of the things that are moving around, right? What, what's that Thomas line? I'm not sure. A big welcome for that. That might be a, a, a message. Are um, those are other hackers that are monitoring each of the nodes to try to give you hints. Ah, uh, 
things move around and stuff like that. So as you move from node to node, different hackers will greet you. And, and that's uh, a new feature that wasn't in my version of the game. Yeah, there's also a med bot that moves around the Omnistar network, reconstructing. It, it will try to heal. Yeah. And yeah, each each node represents a city or a satellite uh, over that city, and you have to knock down each one of them. But there's also other programs that that can do different things to you, or they can relocate you, things like that. So the programs that you find in each node were left by previous hackers, and you can then copy them out of that node into your workspace. And as you use a program, the amount of percentage of that program that's available goes down. And there are ways to restore some of those, but uh, you, you do have to experiment in each node to find out what different programs do. And uh, yeah, there's a like a resource management component to this because you've only got so many tools and tools can only be used so many times before right. you you could you could basically run out of bullets and not kill all the bad guys and then you're screwed right so which is uh, what happened to me in the first run yes yeah yeah so there there's there's a lot of interesting components that's why I say it's kind of cerebral but it's 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 got a cool look to it it looks like you're on a computer terminal screen you know it's kind of got that 80 column IBM look to it. Um, it's neat. It's a neat game. Now, would you say this is like a, a like a geeks game that a, you know an arcade player may not even understand what they're doing um, here? Like, is this a specific it's, market it's for? Or? It's hard to say. It's it's definitely it's more of a cerebral. It's kind of like a puzzle like a game. Puzzle. It's a puzzle mystery game with a computer terminal. You know, kind of a computer techie hacky th uh, theme to it. You know. Certainly seems much more fun than Cisco's network simulator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's gonna go into Pelican also in the same vein. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but this is what the screen looks like. So if you're looking for arcade graphics and full screen scrolling and parallaxing and lasers and explosions and stuff, this is, this is not gonna happen. This is kind of what the screen looks like. There's a lot of scrolling text of what's happening within the system you type in your commands um and uh, things like that so so there's uh, no killer donuts uh no killer donuts it's like no. a sim yeah it's but it, and it's, but it's real time too so okay so, so so if somebody's not like a programmer type they could still play this and it's yeah still, it's still it, there's, it's still a game it's it's a puzzle it's a kind of a puzzle game Okay, I was just wondering, like, if it was more like a Core Wars type thing, where if you're not a programmer, no, you're lost. You're, you're, you're not writing code. You have to deduce what the effects of the programs are, and there's a strategy into which programs you need to use to clear out the nodes, to to affect the different bots that are moving around, to manage your other inventory. So you're you're. It's all logical deduction but there's not any programming to it at all. No. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure we weren't, you know, selling it to an audience that doesn't you Yeah, know, well, it's kind of like we're, not a clue what they're it's doing. It's kind of like so. Rick says, kind of like a hunt the wumpus, right? Where you're trying to avoid things, but you have to so I and I was always using the analogy of like spells and potions, right? So just to put it to give it a to bring it to a dungeon concept here like so some so you know you have a potion of healing. You've got certain spells that will ward off certain types of things, right? But in this case here, because you're in a program, it's, you're in a computer, it's a program, right? So you would okay. type in the name of that program to effectively fire a weapon, um, you know, try to heal yourself or try to disable the spy bot or the, the, the med bot or the millibot, you know? So you're just, 
and it's figuring out which ones do what. And then it's and then once you figure it out, okay, I know I know that this command uh, is the one that actually takes down power from the node, but that that thing's only got like five or ten uses. Now I got to figure out what's the other program that I, what's the other command I need to type in that would help replenish that, right? Because if you if you got like a you know, like a six you know six chamber gun. How do I how do I add more bullets to that gun, right? And so there's another program that you have to find and figure out. Oh, this is the program that reloads the gun that I can use to take down the node, you know. And this is the this is the command that would actually be the one that would take down the spy bot, so he doesn't notify the military bots. And then this is the command I need to use that would actually do damage to the military bot, so I can destroy him, you know. So it's figuring out the different commands or the tools or the weapons or the spells or you know, the potions, however, whatever analogy you want to use, figuring out what tool for the job you need to use. Um, and a lot of that got to, got retooled in the process of doing it, where it's like sometimes you're going to type in a program and it will seemingly have no effect, but it might change the property of something else, you know, and that's a whole other level. He added something after the version <laughs> that I had played, you know, so... Um, yeah, that's it's a really neat idea. But yeah, who who how would you explain the demographic or how would you put this into a category or genre or a box that says if you like this, you'll like this? Uh, I'm not sure how to best answer that question. It sounds, it sounds to me it's more like a strategy strategy game than a than a you know a hardcore yeah. you know core wars type. Okay. Thing. Yeah, but it was I enjoyed it, and I like and I mostly like arcade games. I like I'm I'm more of a fan of the mindless, you know, just run and gun and <laughs> shoot and blow up type game. So. I, I enjoyed this game. Okay. And then for those that want to order it, this is what the uh, the page looks like with the buy now button for the electronic download. And he's got a screenshot there too. And of course, as, as Rick mentioned earlier, that if he does any updates or any bugs that have to be fixed or something like that, you will be notified and you can actually just get a free update to it once it gets released, which is nice. It's a great, great concept. Digital distribution. I don't know why anybody's never thought of this before. <laughs> <laughs> and then just to, just to cover Ken's stuff here, we've got two of his videos up. So he did his Rally SG challenge. So he has his actual gameplay when he was playing it. Now, I was going to ask you, uh, Ken, did you play this on a Coco 2 or did you play this on the Coco 3? I played it on the Coco 3. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I can record. That's If I'm recording, usually before when I was recording, I was recording off an emulator. So now I'm finally able to use real hardware to record. So with Coco three. Okay, so we just need to get you a deluxe joystick or something now, and you'll be. Well, I had one, but it broke. <laughs> uh, is it one of the pieces inside that broke, or? Yeah, the one of the little uh, arms broke. Yeah, in David half, David so. Ladd 3D prints those. So. Yeah, you oh, can get it. replacements. Yeah. Okay. Or if you have access to a 3D printer, you can actually get the schematic and print it yourself too. Someday, someday I will have a 3D printer. <laughs> <laughs> Neat. And thanks for posting the links, Brian. And then here's, of course, the video we were playing earlier that uh, Ken himself. Do you have a name for up. the game, Ken? Uh, not really. Just right now I'm calling it Attack. Attack. <laughs> okay. I'll come up with something better. So that, that full video there kind of goes through your a bit of your process and your designing of the game. And you know, you had that little sort of mission statement at the beginning there, too, that you were kind of putting up on the text screen. So definitely we're going to follow your progress in that and uh, if you have any major updates for it feel please feel free to come back on the show again and, and give us the update and you're also welcome as a, a panel member just in general if you want to be yeah exactly come on anytime man. yeah, yeah. If, you, if you want to blow hours you during your saturdays yeah canadians welcome <laughs> it's better than working yeah 
Coco Talk. It's better than working. It's better than working. <laughs> but not much. It's a new catch one. <laughs> Next up, we have uh, Rob's Retro Rambles. He's our favorite uh, Dragon 32 guy here, and he's doing Cuthbert and the Golden Chalice. So oh, I'll play yeah, a Golden bit of Chalice. Cause... Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. What did you think I said? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say golden shower, if that's what you're implying. Oh, <laughs> like, wow, this so is pretty the- progressive for British games. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Rob Rob always has his snarky and, and funny comments. I'll just play like a little bit here for us to... Geiger to Punk, right? Hello, you. Is that loud this enough? Is Cuthbert and you the Golden louder. Chalice for the Dragon 32, or it will be shortly when the tape runs out. There we go. Let's type exact. 1986. It's the last Cuthbert game, I believe. So I'm expecting something fairly... Adv- oh, we've, I was going to say something fairly advanced. And look, we've got high-res graphics. We're in monochrome mode. <coughs> Excuse me. I for instructions. Go on, then. You must help Cuthbert make his way through the cave to collect the golden chalice. Use the right-hand joystick to move Cuthbert, Cuthbert left and right and use the fire button to make him jump up or over something. So I'm thinking Wonder Boy, or maybe Aztec Challenge. I'm suspecting it's going to be more like the second screen of Aztec Challenge, isn't it? Uh, space, uh, any key to continue. Enter to pause the game, space to continue the game. And that's it. Right, space to play the game then. Let's see. I press the space. Oh, that oh. looks pretty good. Almost looks that like a... It's changed a bit, hasn't it? Yeah. Hello, Mario. Ah, Mario. <laughs> Seems like a compiled basic a little right. bit here, but yeah. Oops. Uh, he fell in that yeah, hole that was about is. five foot deep in that. Uh, it's a me, <laughs> a fake a Mario. I was gonna say, is this a downland? Uh... Damn. Oops. Hmm. Now is this uh, <coughs> is this PAL artifacting that we're seeing here? Because his yes. shirt looks like a solid no, color. At least do the first screen, which has no enemies or anything on. There we go. Oh, oh right. Crikey. Oh. Oh, snake. <laughs> Jump oh, I'm in a pit with a snake. Marvelous. <laughs> snake jump mechanics are a little bit on a wonky. Synchronized yeah. jumping. <laughs> anyway, he gets stuck in this strange. level for quite a while, so let me fast forward a bit here. <laughs> uh, what, what on earth is happening to it? Later. Where do we... Oh, my word! What is that thing? Oh, whirlwind, Ooh. huh? Whirling dervish. <laughs> so the screen never changes. It's just what you have to deal with Whoa. on the screen changes, huh? No. Looks <laughs> like. Right. Okay. And <laughs> there we go. And then yeah, and you have to make sure oh, that no, you're not going to hit your well. head on the spider. <laughs> That's evil. <laughs> that looks well, there we go. What was that level? Screen four. Uh, I I think I think we'll make this a quick one, eh? <laughs> nice, that's interesting. Really, yeah. So I mean, we've 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 seen a very brief demo of this game a long time ago, I think, in High Retro Game Lord. But actually, he got a you know a bit further into the game. You can see some of the extra elements they had. But basically, yeah, it's just jumping the three holes, but you get diff- different things coming at you. So, yeah. But but Cuthbert has definitely changed over the years, as you can see. Yeah. And for the la- if that was the last Cuthbert one, he didn't necessarily go out with a bang. <laughs> <laughs> so this here is the demo video that Chet put up a couple of days before he released Digger 3 itself. But he has a bit of an explanation um, as well as some gameplay. 
I, I won't play the whole thing, but I thought I'd play the beginning where he's kind of talking about it, just so people can get a bit of a background to it. Okay. All right. It is time again for Septandy. Uh, I can hear it, this, yeah. This time around, I want to celebrate by demoing a game that I've been working on for the last couple of years called Digger 3. Now, this is a follow-up to a game, uh, obviously called Digger 2, uh, that I did from uh, the, the back in 96 and 97. And this is based on a uh, game called Gold Runner 2000 that was done by my best friend Eric Critchlow on uh, a computer called the MM1, which is one of kind of considered one of the predecessors to the uh, to the Tandy Color Computer Three, and this runs it's it's a 68k base machine. It runs um, OS 9 68,000, and uh, so he he you know done this game, and in turn that was based on um, on Gold Runner for the Coco One and Two, and, and Load Runner from uh, from Broderbund, which was on a wide variety of, of machines, and uh, w with one big difference in that you had uh, a rather than tiny you know eight by eight pixel or eight by nine pixel um blocks and you know tiny little uh, characters the the sprites and the blocks were much much bigger they're 24 by 24 pixels and so in order to do that with uh, you know and have the same size play field which was roughly uh, uh which varied depending on the platform and on the mm1's case it was uh, 39 by 24. Um, the, he introduced four-way scrolling which kind of changed certain aspects of the game uh, so when I did this on the Coco 3, um, I did it with um, uh, 16 by 16 pixel uh, sprites and blocks, uh, which was um, it was a choice of mine. I forget exactly what it did. It had something to do with with dealing with the scrolling. Um, so and you know and of course you know it implemented the the four-way scrolling um, that he had done on the M1 that implemented on, on on the Coco 3 as well. And so you know of course that carries forward, and I. I you know, found the, the came across the code a couple of years ago. Figured, you know, it's like, well, let's go ahead and play with it, see how much I can, uh, I can, you know, see if I can even get it up and running. Because it'd been, you know, over 20 years since I'd even uh, you know, done anything with it at all. And uh, so I started, you know, playing around with it and adding some stuff and sprucing it up and making it a little less bland, you know, less static. It was, uh, you know, flat. You know, like a lot of the games back in the day, they they almost seemed kind of like. You know, certain aspects of the, the world were frozen in time. <laughs> you know, you're, you you had less animations, and, and so so I wanted to to give it some of that stuff. So and, and you know, here we go with the the title screen. This is uh, you know, of course for uh, uh, Coco Three, of course five twelve K. You know, of course joystick, and, and of course this I'm gonna I'm gonna warp to a, a higher level because you know to me, you know the, the the earlier levels are meant to to allow you to get familiar with certain aspects of the game, so they they play a little bit slower, and uh, and kind of build you up to about what you're you know what you're going to see in, in, in on this game now this uses uh this relies on on um uh the uh, the cpu the 1609 for all of the uh actual rendering it has because it has no um no sprite hardware it has no uh blitter hardware um, so everything that you have to do on the on the coco 3 you, you know you're you're stuck doing it with the cpu even playing the uh the sound all of the uh, you know the digital audio that you're hearing on this is, is being played by the CPU through uh, uh, through a timer interrupt. So you have to there, there's a lot of burden ah on the CPU to to do what you would find on, on some of the other machines. So it's actually quite spectacular what uh, what can be done um, with the uh, with the right um, approach and the right mindset in, in getting some of this stuff done. So you know doing four-way uh, scrolling. I'm not sure that I. I 
I think their only other game is on the Coco 3 that does four-way scrolling is Pack Dude 3D. Um, one of the Pack games. Spectacular game. It's got some great music to it, too. Um, yeah, I remember when that came out. That was a spectacular game. So, yeah, you've got, uh, so you've got a limited number of, of games which actually uh, utilize the... Uh, and take advantage of this aspect of the Coco 3, which is which is really unfortunate because this adds a, there's a tremendous amount that you can get done with the the capabilities of the the Gimme and, and particularly with the the 6809, the, uh, the the power of that CPU, particularly for being an 8-bit, is just phenomenal. You can do tremendous things. There's a number of um, there's actually a number of special effects that aren't in this game um, because I just I just didn't have memory. There was there was um, certain things with the original implementation that I'm just not really willing to, to put the effort into changing um, just because of the time. I, I'd rather spend time on, a, on building a new system from the ground up, which I'll be doing from, on my next project. Um, I'm going to put that time into something. So there, there, there's still a lot that can be done. So I had to pull those up because I just didn't have memory on things like water effects, lighting. Um, you know, there, there's... Uh, um, a translucency effect which almost worked but you know it, i just you know without the memory there i wasn't going to go ahead and complete it so th there's just a lot more that you can do with the coco 3 than, than has been done in a lot of games yeah I, you've got uh, you know th th there are some exceptions you know games like you know pack dude 3d and, and the uh, um, you know contras the uh, crystal city um you know those were games that that really just, you know did their best to take advantage of much of, of the Coco 3 as they possibly could for the games that they had to implement. The uh, you know, Crystal City is a very, very fast game. You've got a lot going on. Um, and then with Contras, you actually have somebody, pretty much somebody else's game design that you kind of stick with because that, that was all the, the Nintendo. And then you've got to make compensations for the, the, you know, the Coco 3 and the lack of hardware that you would find on something like the Nintendo that you know, they, they can take advantage of. Um, in ways that, that we just can't. So there's uh, you know, there, there's some give and takes that, that they have to do, but you know, the, the Coco 3 is, is capable of so much more than just even this game. Um, it, it's almost frightening that it hasn't actually been taken advantage of in that way up until, you know... Well, That's interesting to hear. So. A guy who's, <laughs> but we'll a guy what, who's pushed uh, it probably further than it's been pushed, saying that there's so much more that can be done. You know. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to play the you know the whole text here I rather than just do a quick happy video preview. How this game turned out, and I will be happy to uh, you know, finally release it, put it to bed. I say it's pretty common because even though they're doing get, pretty cool uh, stuff with the Atari Twenty Six Hundred these days, even like the longer something's been around. Yeah, once you learn all the programming tricks of the hardware, then you can start really with. exploiting them, and that's that's kind of what you know has gradually been done. I mean, Nick and and Chet ah, in recent times. Now that side dig feature is actually pretty cool. Yeah, how do you do that? I didn't, I didn't know about that. You can dig while you're oh. on the ladder. You just uh, move your joystick Boy, to the I left and hit dig. Yeah. In fact, oh. on later levels, you have to do that to, to get at certain spots. Boy, I died. I died. Yeah, it keeps telling me that. Yeah, his messages when you die are funny. <laughs> ah! Yeah, the, I mean, the animations, the color, the scrolling. Off. I can't believe I did that. It's... And the game is over. So, well, yeah, I Yeah, like he swings his legs when he crawls across ropes. And, and I hope you enjoy your September. Now, some of those graphics were done by uh, Paul Thayer, too, so... Oh, National Anthem time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to show that in its full just to have all the commentary that he gave on that, kind of giving yeah. a history of the project. He didn't go into the whole challenge thing part of it, but 
he covered the basics of it. And then he also covered, you know, the fact that his next engine is going to be going farther ahead than this. Like he was talking about translucency effects. I really want to see what he's talking about on those, for example. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And that is this week's game on challenge, of course. All right. So that uh, that oh that uh, that this week's game on challenge, meaning that's the game of the week that we're playing for next yep. week. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, and here's the official announcement done yesterday, which was a couple days early. It was supposed to originally, he was planning on releasing it today, possibly just before or just during the show, but he actually released it a little bit early. So go get your copy. It's free on Facebook right now in the Coco group. Um, hopefully it'll be on the actual archive a little bit later on too. 512K uh, keyboard or joystick. You don't need to have a joystick. You can play with a keyboard. In fact, I find it a little bit easier that way. Uh, 6809, no 6309 required. RGB monitor is required right now. You can play it on composite, but the colors are going to be completely wrong. And uh, I think he did that because of some of the subtle shading he's doing in the background. You just can't match that on composite completely. And composite just sucks, let's be honest. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there are plenty of RGB solutions out now, so you're good. The rising yeah. entertainment costs. And that is the end of the game on news segment. All right. Well, thank you, L. Curtis. Well, do we want to go ahead and jump right into news to Coco News? If you want to, I don't know if we want to play the little intro. Uh, oh, well, you know, absolutely. This is a professional show, but I just want to it make sure that we're ready to do that. There. Am I on the right show? Yes. All right. <laughs> so, hold on. Let me uh, let me go ahead and share sound just for a minute, so you guys can hear what Willis is talking about, and then we'll give it back to Curtis. From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on News with El Curtis And now a Muppet News Flash. All right, it is time for News with El Curtis Boyle, everybody. <laughs> I feel like a Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, first up, first up, uh, Paris Rat in the uh, Facebook Dragon group. Um, and we've talked about the Dragon MSX2. That's that pl- the board that includes like a sprite chip and a sound chip. So what he's done here is he's actually uploaded for download some 10 WAV files with songs of one or more games recorded while playing them in that module on that new board. Okay. Um, now, I, unfortunately, it's the actual songs to play, so I, I won't bother playing them here. You can just download them and check them out. But uh, for those people that don't remember what this is, this is the... Uh, board itself here so basically it's a sprite and sound chip combination board so and we've seen some demos like pair has been porting the AGE, agd excuse me agd engine to it which is all those spectrum games we've got so basically once he gets this all done we're gonna have 200 games immediately released that will actually support multiple up colors, 16 color 16 and, colors and sprites music multi-voice music sound effects the whole shebang so really looking forward to this this actually getting fully done here um yeah. yeah, so I'm really looking forward to keeping track of that project. It, it looks like it's definitely going through, and it's it's one of the uh, hardware upgrades that actually is going to have a, a wealth of software support right off the bat, like a right. 200 games under the AGD engine immediately. That's that's pretty good. Wow. Next up from the MC10 group, Robert Sieg, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, he has both a video demonstrating and the actual web page up of his new MC10 solo full screen emulator online. This is kind of like the Java Cocoa emulator online uh-huh. type thing. So you can actually go in there. This is the video version. Um, so I'll just fast forward a bit here. So, but you can actually upload files to the emulator over the browser. Okay. So if you have MC10 cassettes you want to load, you can do that. Or he's got a few built in. And then you can actually emulate and play around with it. So here he you know, is demonstrating some various things. 
So he's got this. I've never seen this one, actually. This is a jeweler. It's a kind of a, a bejeweled style game on the MC-10. Choosing some of my favorite colors. Well, the interesting thing is here, because the MC-10 is hardwired to only allow up to 4K maximum for a, the graphics screen, even though the chip, the VDG, can handle bigger. That's the way they wired it for the RAM. So in this case, they just said, screw it. We're going to use a 6K you know, P mode 3 mode so we can get the higher resolution. And just if it goes to the screen, because that's all the VDG can do here, we'll let it go to the screen. So we actually get the higher res, but you get a kind of a duplication of the screen. Yeah. So it's uh, not a bad little game. I think he plays a little bit of the demo here. And then things fall down. Okay. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. So a bit of a demo. But that's just showing the emulator kind of in action. Neat. And the actual emulator here for whoever's posting links, um, just mc-10.com. You can actually like type in basic stuff, you know, yourself if you want to. Like now, this used to be in Java. So has he just made it something else? Because there was an MC10 Java web web emulator before. Well, I think I think he's expanded on it somewhat, okay. and he's also I think he's planning on supporting some other things, a bit beyond what the original emulator did. I mean, okay. the up I don't think the original emulator allowed you to upload your own code, did it? I don't know. I never messed with it that much. Uh, let's go try the pinball one just for shits and giggles, right? That's like the Radio Shack original Tandy uh, pinball game. Uh, this one here. Yeah. Reset. This hit exact, right? That should yeah, Radio Shack. Lost World Pinball. Oh, uh, yeah, I played this one for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember the controls, though, unfortunately. It's one of those little crappy chicklety keys on that keyboard. Just pick one. Thanks for narrowing that down for me, Stevie. ASDF. EF? No. ASDF. Give me a hard time, Curtis. Yeah, I know you have to bring the plunger down, but I can't remember how to do that. That's cool. That's very cool. Oh, there we go. There you go. A web emulated computer. Hold the enter key. Yeah, just figured that out. Pew, pew. But will it hold open a virtual door or a window? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a pretty pretty cool looking emulator. Like you said, he's planning on doing some other things. I think he's actually talked about possibly doing like some of the MCX support, which I don't think the original emulator did either. So okay. instead of just having the 16K upgrade and you stop, sure. this will actually support the, the full thing, the new basic and everything else. Yeah, so. yeah. Definitely yeah, that that. that's the the yeah the uh, the one downside to using a physical MC10 is the keyboard because even Jim Gary, the king of MC10 coding, says uh, I don't use that keyboard, right? So it's just <laughs> um, yeah, but it's it's a piece of history. That that's that's a, that's a place I think most people would allow a distortion of the hobby. Is to yeah, right. A, a real <laughs> it's definitely a piece of something. <laughs> 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 and then as, as part of the septandy and i have a few of these scattered at various places throughout the news here just because they kept coming in at different times so um the first one here is uh, mail day and this is uh noel's retro lab on youtube so he's put up a video of his latest batch of hardware and software items that he received for various retro computers which in this case oh, includes dragons another week another bunch of mail I think there's some interesting things in there. So, let so I think one of the first ones he actually got to here was the dragon, which actually came with a couple of books too. Nice. Oh wow, nice! There it is. And if that one's a in pristine dragon, shape, that's yeah. pretty, 32. pretty decent. So here it is, mm. a dragon thirty-two, a 
not very well-known computer, although not nearly as obscure as the And I believe he's from Spain, but obviously I don't think he was raised there because so. he speaks pretty darn good and, English. Uh, yeah, this is a very, also a very interesting computer, both from a technology PC or DC, that's PC brick, and it has, seems like half of it is empty space. Actually, some of the cartridges. There was, I love hmm. their logo. That's very cool. It also came with some original software. Some wow, what a great pickup. Tapes. Yeah, this thing is all like shiny and new. Interesting. <clears> You'll see some titles that we recognize from the Coco side of the Dragon um, I don't think they made any software specifically Cash for Dragon 64. Time Bandit? Uh, sure, yeah. if they did or not back in the day. I'm sure today people are doing those. And yeah, it's always interesting seeing games that you're familiar with them in other platforms, like I'm familiar with this game from the ZX Spectrum and the Amstrad, and it's you know now seeing it on the Dragon. Hunchback. It's going to be interesting. I'd, I'd yeah. like to try this one. Which actually, that Cuthbert game I think we showed earlier, this game Hunchback remembers like pretty similar. RF cable, so okay, that's fine. And it came with some books, which I absolutely love, um, especially books that are about low-level system programming or assembly or machine language. I love those. One day, maybe I'll make a video about the different books of that type that I have for different computers. But this is awesome getting this one. Yeah, this Melbourne house seemed to have a lot of those kind of computers. Brian, you uh, got that copy? Brian Weezer? And <laughs> this, this is just a collection. If of not, it's on his wish list. Type in things. Not, not nearly as interesting, but still. Is that Brian? Getting some of those original books. I know you can get PDFs of those I, for free in yet. general, but it's. Okay. I, it's really hard to replace the I might have a spare, book. Brian. And we got another book. Book of Games. Uh, book of Games. So I guess another type in. The book. And the Book of Games. Looks the Dragon like Composer. Yeah. And this is a port of the original Composer by Speech Systems for the Coco, music. which is the, okay. one of the very first four voice a software synthesizer bands. But in, look, it's in cassette. Yeah, it's not. Unfortunately, it's not in cartridge. But cool. So all in all, it's a pretty cool package for the... And then he goes into some other stuff from other platforms that are received in the mail. Nice. So. That's real clean and pristine right there. It's a good pickup. Yeah. Next up, this this was cool. And I've actually been in contact with him a little bit. I'll see. I don't know if he managed to make it to the chat today. I kind of invited him to. And I wouldn't mind him having him on the show later. But this is part of Septandy as well. But this is a guy that actually grew up with the Coco 2 back in the day and did some work with it and he was doing little you know hardware stuff with it and software and he kind of collected a bunch of machines and software and hardware over the years up until the 90s then he kind of stuffed it in boxes and he, for Septandi he decided to go out and try to you know bring them all back out and man has he got a nice collection um i can't play the whole thing obviously but uh let me see if i can fast forward here so he goes through and he finds like his coco one the old gray beast itself i spent many hours on this machine i spent like many it. many hours on this computer it has the chiclet keyboard i'm no sure that was still yeah, working when i boxed it well he's got multiple ones so this might not be sticky. his original stock machine <laughs> It really needs to be cleaned up. It looks pretty clean. But yeah. it had yeah. a reset yeah, switch, a modulator output, Almost and that was black. the only video yeah. output option that the Coco One had. Computer definitely deserves a good cleaning. He's got some spills and on his top there. there. 
<coughs> and but. some various manuals. Oh yeah. Here's some cool 6809 microprocessor. And did you get one of those details. books too, Stevie? With the 6809 your is the I got processor. That's the Bible right there, guys. Cocoa machines. Silver buck. And I believe this is Ed Asim. Yes, this is the the assembly editor software. So this is a later part of my collection. Yep. I have this hasn't been seen. This hasn't seen the light of day in years. So this now is the time. Computer. Again, Cocoa many two. hours spent on this machine. The keyboard was Desk upgraded covers. from the yep. by the factory, not by me. The keyboard was improved by the factory to this full stroke type of keyboard rather than the chiclets. It's the RF modulator. And that's it. There are Coco 2s. Lots of manuals. Yeah. Drives. I spent so much time in this manual. It's been well used. <laughs> Just chapter after chapter, I remember going through <laughs> learning about the basic programming language. Yeah. And sometime along mine's the way, I apart. picked up a slightly <laughs> Yeah, mine's literally copy. in pieces. It was in yeah. much better Spine's shape. totally gone. Yep, Here's mine too. Here's the disk operating system. Oh, Terry's got some of those books we were mentioning earlier. Color basic. Oh, and to go along with that, I believe it's right over here. Take care, Frodo. Getting started with extended color basic and no going impression. ahead yeah. with extended color basic. Well, are you going to get books. started, or are you going to go this ahead? Book with the kids All on it. Right. What's that one? Basic fun. Fun game. That was a very fun game. Yeah. I believe that was a disc game. A lot of stuff. Oh, definitely remember Interbank. that adventure game. Yep. Interbank incident. All Dragon right. Cartridge-based game. Dragonfire. Another cartridge game, and another. Went to the CCW Children's Workshop. Downland. Evil game. Downland. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Cyrus Chess. Great. <laughs> Very fun game of yeah, chess. I forgot Cyrus actually had the full-size manual. Adam. Color scripts. Color scripts. It. The, holy grail. <laughs> the holy grail of Coco you know, collecting the right there. were marketed as, you know, not only there are game, wonderful documents, Peter yeah, actually, he actually used scripts it too. He actually as, was a fan of it somewhat. So, so the original way to get programs loaded and oh, saved was nice through case. the cassette. Yeah, I never it had the case actually. Had six mine, volt power crazy. supply and a couple the, melted keyboard Coco twos. The back of the Coco computer in the back of the Coco would take the five pin DIN. So here's where you'd make the connection with the cassette player and reverse disk drive. It was a dual unit, and I don't remember why, but I had this case opened up and one of the drives removed, and I haven't found the drive yet. So I, th there's another box that has some other pieces in it and some more hardware. I think it's going to be found over there. So this plugs into the, the, side, the right side cartridge hey. port. And expands to. Uh, and apparently, to you four, can plug a multi pack into cartridges. a multi pack. <laughs> and there oh, are some, some idiot tried that on the <laughs> 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 floppy disk. 
I don't know if you guys remember this one. Elite Transfer was a PC right program to transfer Cocoa discs to PC discs on a PC. We would actually we would, we would read the Cocoa discs right on the PC. It was oh, the yeah, there's a there's an old DOS program. There's like Cocoa. Oh, yes. Modem pack. I haven't Floppies. used this before, but I suppose people were <laughs> have acquired them and Matt, didn't even nice test collection. them back. Discs. Hmm. Another floppy drive, drive, although not. Ooh, floppy. Uh, the label stated, but <laughs> basic. Oh, yeah. He even found right. some of his Lots old, of like, I, I know Stevie so wish he could do this, too. He found some of the old games he was working on on his floppies there, so he actually finished them. And doing with that. And Rainbow rainbows. Magazines. Nice. These were an endless oh. source of entertainment, so there was a monthly magazine. Might even, yeah, some of these work on. And he's got some other stuff from other computers here too, plus another box of new disc this and cartridge a, this games. This is probably a mixed box. So, Jeez, whereas this is. Right. Yes. Alright. So, just, Curtis, if you've got a hard out at 5, games, it's 4 30, just so you know, for a yeah. Yeah, no, There's not too much more news Definitely. left to go, so okay. okay. Whereas some of these others. Okay, I do you mean I can wake up soon? Those four ports as well. Where's that button? Could I don't like you off the call. Anyway, he's got this huge collection. He actually, at the beginning of the video, has a little picture. Like, he's got, like, I think eight or nine Coco 2s stacked. He's got multiple Coco 3s. He's got this 8515 monitor by Magnavox. He's got a ton of stuff. Neat. And he's had this stuff in storage for literally almost 20 years and just hadn't brought it up. In fact, when he was doing the Septandi at the beginning, he didn't think he had anything. And then he suddenly remembered, I've been moving around to different houses over the last 20 years, hauling all this stuff, and I've never opened it back up. And he did for Septandi, and now he's okay. actually been getting stuff working. That's neat. It's like your own uh, time capsule, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of it, they didn't follow it up with one he just released this morning. Um, yeah, where he that actually computer in the background? It's like a Commodore. A Commodore, yeah. Well, he's a retro guy in, <laughs> in general, so he's got multiple platforms like a lot of us do. Um, but in this one here, he actually got the 8515 out, and he went hunting through all of his cables because he had boxes of cables, too. And there's a couple that looked like it might work, and then he found one there, but it didn't work properly. So then he actually goes through uh, finding the schematic on the web of the connecting port on the where the CMA plugs in the bottom of the Cocoa itself. And he actually made his own cable as part of this video. Now, he did find out that wherever he found his schematic, it was wrong. It wasn't quite right. So you had to do a bunch of you know, testing. Was that Barry Nelson's stuff. site by any chance? I'm just kidding, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he spends a, fair, <laughs> spends a fair bit of time going through and figuring this out, which is what a lot of the video is. But then he gets it going. And then he's, it was funny because he'd never seen, he'd had these RGB monitors. He'd never plugged one of the Coco 3 before, even though he had all this stuff. He just never bothered hooking it up. And he had the reaction that I think a lot of us did the first time we saw RGB, like just amazed at how crisp and clear this looked compared to composite. Right. Like literally. <laughs> Display yeah. looked this clear before. This is amazing. Like that's that's the exact same reaction oh, yeah. I had. That's composite. I yeah. mean, even the even here in composite, think what a step above the old <laughs> RF modulator that this is. So going into RGB, yeah, that looks like the Commodore monitor. Ten have. steps, yeah. more improved. Well, the Commodore monitor wow. is essentially the same inside. Now I wonder yeah. what this green this is the exact option button does. HCM five one five. Yeah, I'm detecting a little bit brighter. It's got a door. Display yeah, mine green doesn't. when it's out. <laughs> maybe a little bit dimmer when it's in. I got two. Oh, but look at the cursor. 
two doors. Yeah, here's oh, what we discovered with the green screen setting? switch does. Oh, the green screen Maybe this switch. is the monochrome. Yeah, but it takes, green, basically turns into green screen black. monochrome, so you kill oh, the rest yeah. of the colors except green. Ah. Okay, so there is RGB full color. If you want OmniStar to really look like an old terminal. So yeah, right. Cool. Wow. Hey. <laughs> I That's can't wait till it actually starts trying RGB-based software on it. Right. Like, you know, Digger like 3. Digger 3. Yeah. Mm. He, did, he did mention that he does have a 512k upgrade that he hasn't installed yet. So uh, I'm looking forward to him trying that. I've actually been in contact with him, so we'll see if we can get him on the show at some point, you know, give him that you know, fresh new reaction to a Kogo 3 type thing. Yeah. Neat. Okay, next one here. I don't have a clue how to pronounce this name. You want to give it a shot, Stevie? Mario. Uh, uh, Mario. Keras. Close enough. Sounds good. <laughs> so he um, put, up a link here, put up a link here. Usborne Books, which did a lot of computer uh, books for various platforms back in the early 80s and, and are still around doing newer stuff today, has now put in some of their books in PDF format and put them up for free, which is a really cool thing because most book publishers don't do that if they're current, even with their old stuff. So. So oh yeah, I remember seeing see this got some of their before. More, yeah, yeah, they got their modern books there. But if you scroll down, they've got all these older ones from back in the day with source listings. They also in their cross-platform. Yeah, I would think a few of these we've actually shown before, like the yeah. computer space games and a few others here. But there's a whole whack of them, and they're totally free from the original publisher. Just go download them and have fun. Yeah, digital, hmm. clean. So Write nice. your own adventure programs right there. Yep, right there. Yeah, I'll double use that as a sample just to quickly show. 10, print, this is an adventure. 20, input, what do you want to do? 30, print, I don't care. 40, You're, you're pretty close. <laughs> pretty close. <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> you win. <laughs> they actually go into how to design them and you know, how to lay, how to lay oh, out them, yeah. them graph paper. and. Yeah. I've actually got that book. Oh, yeah, there you mm -hmm. go. I was surprised to hear that Grant got rainbow because I didn't even know he could read. But yeah, it's that's cool. <laughs> he liked the pictures. It's got lots of pictures. Yeah, it's got lots of pictures. Oh, colorful. <laughs> yeah. So here you got some of the actual code that says, "Note this will not work in Atomic Sinclair." See page thirty eight, thirty nine. So obviously it's cross platform again. But oh, because of the uh, input syntax of certain syntax, basic yeah, commands, yeah, yeah. like in key string, not like the Apple II, for example, doesn't have yeah. an in key string. So anyway, yeah, it's it's pretty cool that that did that. I'm I'm I, I would like more major publishers, especially with stuff that's so far out of date, out of print, you'll never sell them again, really. Right. That if you want to, you'll know, kind of promote your brand to some of the retro community that they might want to buy some of your newer books from modern systems. This yeah. is, uh, I think, a great, great promotional thing. Well, it's yeah. kind of interesting because some of these old games were simple enough that you could take the entire game and layer, say, a graphic engine on top of it on a Coco. Yeah. So you could take a ZX81 text game and make it a graphical game. Yeah. Still in and, basic. Yeah. And just kind of grow it from there. And that's a lot of fun to me. I enjoy uh, yeah. This one really caught my eye. I mean, we saw Fred do this last week where he was kind of showing how to use the semi graphics to make these you new know, specialized animations and stuff. Yeah. And he wrote a little editor for it here, which he calls semi anim for animate. Now, it, this is written purely in basic, there's no wow. machine language in here. Which, when he's editing the little bits, I mean, that looks fine. But if you fast forward a little bit and you watch him actually start duplicating his cells and stuff that he's drawing, his little semi graphics 24 stuff in, and all of a sudden it, it does it really fast, like that. Whoa. And I was kind of wondering, how the heck did he do that? 
And then he goes to explain it. Basically, you do a couple of pokes to fool Basic into thinking the Semigraphics 24 is a P mode 3 or P mode 4 screen, which is the exact same size, 6144 yeah. bytes. And, and then you just it. get and put. Yeah. And it yeah, works right. on the Semigraphics. You can actually blast your, your stuff on fairly quickly with, some, with the uh, get put command, which is so obvious. That's I don't know. Cool. I hadn't thought of it years ago. So for people That's that cool want to kind of do what Nick's doing, but in Basic, Boom, if you want to do a fairly that. fast... Yeah arcade style games using semi-graphics 24 you can do it this way yeah i mean yeah. you still have to poke in your individual things to set your shapes up but after that it's just getting yeah poked. i wish i remember what all those perks were but yeah there was definitely ways because i remember doing that change in the grant because i'd even found a font somewhere that was drawn in the high res command using the draw stuff but once you poked it to go back to the semi-graphics mode it actually lined up perfectly and looked perfectly on the text screen so it was actually a way to change your font through graphics, but it showed up on your tech screen. Um, really cool stuff. Yeah. So anyway, definitely, if you want to take a look at that, he, I, if you ask him, I'm sure he'll give you the source code for it too. If you want to kind of you know fiddle with it, but yeah, you can use like PCLS if you want to clear the screen in a certain pattern. Like a lot of the basic commands will work at you know the full basic graphic speed versus normally when you're dealing with semi graphics, you're poking every little tiny yeah. thing, so it's kind of slow. So. If, yeah, if you're and, interested in doing semi-graphics, uh, you know, having all the extra colors available to you, but you want to do it in basic because you don't know machine language, this is a pretty darn good option way to do it. Hmm. That is a cool hack. You can go the yeah. other way, too, where you could do things in graphics or do things in text, but make it look like you're in a graphics screen just by poking the text screen to look like graphics, I would imagine. Right. So, yeah. yeah it's a pretty, pretty cool little program. And you got a, you got a fairly good discussion there going on. So there's a lot of comments coming in. Next up, um, John Linville posted this up first. I think the first one to mention it. The virtual VCF Midwest is today. It started this morning. Of course, they can't do it in person. So they put up the schedule here and YouTube links for every one of the videos they pre-recorded for all the various things and they're releasing them you know, as the day goes on type thing. And, and you know, this covers a variety of, West, of uh, retro systems. And uh, Steve, you've actually been to this VCF Midwest before. I think, yeah, we all you? were there last year. Or a lot of us were. And you were there. And yeah. you were there. Oh, yes, and it was a blast. We well, it, it's a really good show from what I understand. I've never mm -hmm. been to one, but it's it's awesome. So are these, none of these were live then? These are all pre-recorded? Is there anything live? From what I understand, there? yes. It, it sounded like they actually had put up the links yesterday, and you can actually watch them out of order, but this is kind of when they're live streaming yeah. the they recording. They did the same thing for VCF uh, West. Uh, they had the videos pre-recorded, uh, and they had the people uh, online, so um, they'd play you know, they'd play the video and then the person would add a little bit to the end of it and have questions. So it sounds like it's a similar format to what they okay. had for VCF West. Okay. And that goes on until uh, six o'clock tonight is the last, uh, the end of it. So. Okay. You Excellent. can catch that after the show. Beauty, Sparks eh? over 1,000. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, next up. Um, this is a kind of a fun Coco group project. So a new member, and I'll, I'll let Stevie pronounce his name again. Uh, yeah. yeah. How about uh, Zeox Gomazo? Gomazoa. <laughs> I don't know, dude. Mm. I have no idea. Put me on the spot here. <clears throat> so basically he did, he's, he published the screenshot of, a, of Cody written in basic, and he said it's too slow. So he's actually asking if people could convert this to ML form. But people went through the code, and a variety of the people here that you know are regulars on our show kind of helped with this too. And they kind of went through, like he's had 45 comments, so this has become a group project now, but they actually helped him optimize the basic. 
Um, I think Paul Shoemaker contributed. James Jones might have contributed. Um, you know, a variety of people. And by the time it all got done, just optimizing basic part, it's running four times faster. What is this program code. trying to do right now? Okay, Z equals random 143. If it's less than 128, then go to 10. It prints uh, graphic characters from the top left going right and from the bottom right uh, going okay. left, yeah. and they meet in the middle. Like, here's here's Paul's solution to it where you just redid it, and um, it's much shorter for it's one, and it's four times faster. So I don't think he needs ML anymore because this is actually sped up to the point where you know his, his problems with the speed has actually been solved. So is that what the program was supposed to be doing there, putting random... I think this was an error. Do you remember, James? I didn't actually get a chance to go through all these. So I, I didn't go through them all. Okay. Okay. Interesting. But I know he's he's pretty pleased with the progress that's been made on it. So it's kind of become a, a group project with people helping out. It's kind of like we were offering Ken. You know, the community can do is that if you have a, an issue like this or just you know need a solution to a problem, you can't figure it out yourself or need a little bit of help on it. This is the kind of thing that just spontaneously happens. And this one here, um, <clears throat> Raymond Jett actually modified his sound speech pack to put a switch to switch between the single speed and the double speed, because of course, as we know, it doesn't fully function at double speed. And Tandy never fixed that for the Kogo 3. So a, a few of us have mentioned to him that, you know, Boysen Tech's doing a satellite board that actually will make it so completely independent, you don't need a switch, it'll just automatically work. Mm -hmm. And it'll even work on the Gimme X's triple speed coming up. Um, but he actually solved, you know, the, the single double speed on his sure. own, and he kind of explains how he did it, and then demonstrates it. So a nice little hardware hack there. Wait a second. If you're hacking hardware, are you distorting anything? Possibly. Okay. Got to be careful, you know. Right. Um, next up, Tony Jewell and the Dragon Group here. And this is something I had never seen before. Um, so Dragon obviously made their own versions of the cassette uh, data recorders for the Coco or the Dragon 32 and the Dragon 64. But here they are selling one for Commodores. As you notice in the bottom of the box, suitable for use with Commodore computers. So I not oh. had any clue that Dragon had actually made stuff for other machines besides their own. So that was a new one on me. And from what Tony Jewell is pretty active in the Dragon hardware market there, I think it was so. Him. Was did uh, was Commodore how they did cassettes completely different? Because I know like a lot of people have mentioned the reason why they bought the Coco is because they could use any tape player, whereas some systems needed a very specific tape player yeah, for whatever. Yes, Commodore was. Did. Yeah. yeah. So what was so special about their tape player that made oh, it proprietary? It's why it's so fast. Oh, because yeah, it says turbo on fast. it? Turbo on yeah, it. Floppy. Okay. That's If that's turbo, then the Coco one must be twin supercharged <laughs> and turbocharged. Mm. <laughs> anyway, it was just interesting that I never knew, and yeah. the Dragon people didn't know that the Dragon actually made stuff for other computers besides their own lines. So. Yeah, but what, what, made, what made that tape drive different was it digital recording versus analog recording or something i'm just not sure what made certain tape it players had some here. circuitry in there that yeah. conditioned the signal. it had a yeah. custom cable that hooked to a special connector on the back of the computer and and uh that's about the only difference oh really so that was just strong arming the consumer to have to buy their custom formed connector versus a generic connector it, it was it, it, it was, didn't go through i i, I think it didn't go through the digital to analog and analog back to tape i think it went straight to digital all the way to the tape drive okay so if there was a but, technological difference yeah. that would make sense but if it's just a okay yeah 
Okay. Yeah, in all cases, the Commodore, the peripheral cost more money and the computer was cheaper. Hmm. So yeah. all of the, the razor, razor blade That's how they made thing. their money. Yeah. So, yeah, all the processing was offloaded to the peripherals. So the disk drive was a standalone computer. The tape deck was a standalone decoder. It, it okay. Just interesting. It's, okay. Gotcha. And speaking of the Dragon here, uh, LGR, um, which is one of the larger retro uh, channels, and he's got a sub-channel called LGR Blurbs, and he actually does an unboxing. He just released this morning, too, literally right before the show, of unboxing a Tano Dragon, so one of the North American models. Yes. Um, so I won't play that because I haven't even had a chance to watch it, um, but I'll just show you a little clip of it here. Yeah, it looks nice. I've got one like that, too. I've got the Tano in the box. I haven't opened up yet. And it came with some sample software. Are all the Tenno Dragons uh, Dragon 64s? Yes. 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 Right. Yep. So like I said, that one just came out. So He's it, planning on doing some follow-up videos of it too. Um, and his his channel is almost the size of the 8-bit guys. I mean, it's a huge one. Like 100,000, 200,000 subscribers at least. Or maybe a million plus. I can't remember. But uh, it's a nice app. that some of these bigger channels are actually getting into the Coco and Dragon stuff here, especially with the Septandi going on. So yeah. hopefully we'll see more of that. LGR primarily, uh, most of the videos I've seen on his channel is for like older PCs. So like the MS-DOS peripherals and and things like that. But it's nice to see other machines on his channel. Okay, maybe I just, because I was searching specifically for you know older 8-bit retro, I'd seen a few of his videos on other 8-bit retro, so I thought he was more of a full-blown retro page, but okay. Woodgrain. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and that's the end of the regular news. Um, I will stop sharing briefly here because I have to bring up a different window. And this will switch over to David O'Connor's video from the Adelaide. What, what is it officially called, David? Uh, Adelaide Retro Computer Meetup. Oh, I don't know if it's called Meetup. I called it that, but it's Adelaide uh, Retro <laughs> yeah. Adelaide Retro Computing. That's what it's really. Uh, that's what the, top, the official title okay. is. Now, did you want to talk over it, or do you want me to leave the audio on from it as well? Uh, leave the audio on because I actually talk in the audio in some spots, so I'm actually telling people what we're showing on the screen. And it's only three and a half minutes, so we can sort of. You know, okay, I'll just let it rip then, because that'll give people yeah, a yep. taste of what what the show is then. Make sure you're yep. muted when you let it rip. <laughs> Unlike a certain other one that came into mind. Is that sharing okay? Yeah. Yep. Gunstar. Yep. That's. Uh, we are loading Zaxxon onto my Coco One from iPad. I like the 3D demo. Yeah, Remy's that's an awesome one. We're doing, we're doing a sticker. Yep, 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 yep. Your warranty oh, no. sticker's still in case. Oh, look at this. We got a Virgin warranty oh, sticker. I feel bad. Uh, oh, let's, we're going to film the Virgin warranty the warranty sticker being. Uh, Here goes the Hyman boys. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, no coming back. Nope, JP has done it now. I've ruined it. <laughs> so we're uh, we're missing blue on uh, on JP's Coco Three. So no, we're going to take it apart. We're going to see if we can. Uh, and you notice he's using he's using a proper use of the Commodore monitors, using it on a Coco. 
Well, we have success. And that's a Magnavox clone, actually, again. the clone of the one we just saw. The yeah. Gimme. Just yeah. to reseat the Gimme and the uh, RGB to composite daughter board. And it's all uh, that's the same one Stevie has. Yeah. Been working. It looks so much better when we have all the proper colours. <laughs> Colours. And that was just loose chips, wasn't it, David? Actually, it was, yeah, it was, I reseated the gimme and also uh, um, reseated the daughter board, which, which converts RGB to composite. So we have one uh, fully working Coco 3 again. Getting faster. Hey, Mad skills on. going on here. It's getting faster. A bit of uh, cool. I like Steve York programming game, but I like it. Yeah. We actually loaded this off one of the cassettes that was sitting there next to us. So yeah. doing well. So close. <laughs> Pinball. Well, we successfully loaded this pinball game off a cassette onto the Coco one. So we do have some amongst Is all that of the right color palette? Coco. It's yep. a, yeah, it's a Pinball 3 or Pinball 1. Pinball 1, yeah. It's the original uh, it pinball bit, from Candy. <laughs> 1980. How uh, a bit of, uh, a bit of um, aha take on me with uh, Ed Snyder's Chip Tunes player. Nice. <laughs> That's playing through the, uh, the audio on the Mega Mini MPI, I presume? Yes. Copyright ding. <laughs> Couple of BBC micros. Counter pet with the improved keyboard. I'm used to the old chiclet crappy one. Hey, Terracetti and a pet. Model yep. 4 in operation here. Was he in Maverick here by any chance? The caps got out of it before, but it's not uh, no. working. No. <laughs> a different, different state. <laughs> He's, yeah, He's from Melbourne. This is for the exploding reefer caps. <laughs> yeah, I, I, from what I understand, he had some caps actually smoke while he turned it on the first time at the show or something? That's yeah, good. that's right. Yeah, that's, they're actually mains filter caps and they're not critical. Um, uh, so yeah, the, the, reefer caps. Yes, yep, yep. And they, it works perfectly. It's the brand name so. of the capacitor. Yep. Anyway, that's the entire video. So, David, please comment on what you thought of the show and, and what other people thought of the Coco, et cetera. Yeah, well, uh, as you see all the cassettes on the side there, they were from another guy who posted in the Adelaide Retro Computing Facebook group. Um, he said, oh, does anyone have any, uh, does anybody here have a Coco? Um, I've got a whole pile of cassettes here and I'd like to see if we can get anything off them. So I replied to him and, and I said, yeah, I've got a Coco. And then they said, oh, well, you know, maybe you can come along to the next meet and we can all meet up, meet up and, uh, and try some things and see if we can load some of the cassettes. And so I thought, oh, Okay, cool. I've never actually been to an Adelaide meetup, and this is an opportunity to be there. So I got a, I got an invite, and I thought I'll take him up on that. And uh, my, the, the first guy that was going to give me a ride there ended up um, getting crook and wasn't able to go. Um, but it turns out there was another guy here from Adelaide, um, John Paul Parker. His name is. He's actually in the the Coco um, Facebook group now. Um, he was going along, and he's the one that had the uh, the, the Coco three there that we were repaired. Um, and he offered to give me a ride, and I thought, oh, well, that's that's perfect. It works, and got an opportunity here to uh, to go along today to something. You know, back in the in the 80s, we used to go along to meetups and stuff like that, but um, I haven't been to one for for decades. So, uh, yeah, I packed up uh, two of my cocos, the, as you saw on the video, and uh, 
a whole lot of peripherals and some modern bits and pieces, you know, Cocoa VGAs and Mega Mini MPIs and uh, Cocoa STCs and upgraded RAM and uh, you know, Cocoa Mech keyboards and new badges. And you know. so, uh, yeah, there was a few people there that were really interested in, in um, the, uh, seeing what the, all the, you know, the modern uh, upgrades were all about. So, uh, yeah, there was quite a few people there that were looking and going, oh, that's really cool. And it was funny when JP was fir first brought along his Cocoa, he didn't realise it actually had a fault. And he was looking at it and he's saying, oh, these colour palettes look really ordinary. It looks bland. And, you know, you know my old um, Spectrum's got much better colours on it than this. And, and I said, no, there's something wrong with that. That's that's not right. You haven't got any blue. And this was here. This this was while we were at the, at the show. And I said, look, maybe we can take it apart and I'll see if I can fix it for you. Um, so we did, and it was successful. And he, he came away much happier having a, a cocoa that's working. He goes, oh, this actually looks really good now. I'm really interested yeah. in this. This looks really yeah. good. With all the proper colours working, it was it was actually something that we, he actually felt inspired to play around with. And uh, so yeah, I, I also demonstrated uh, Simon Jonasson's um, original uh, Cocoa Three the, demo. The first demo. Yep, the Cocoa Three demo, and a lot of people were really impressed with that. A couple of guys there who. Uh, yeah, you know, inquired about. Oh, you know, what did you use there? Do you, you know, is is there extra hardware in the Cocoa that does the graphics rendering and everything? And I said, no, that demo does everything via the CPU in real time. Uh, the sound is rendered the same time as the graphics. It's the same time as everything is loaded. And and yeah, there was a couple of guys there that were really impressed with that, saying, well, you know, that's obviously a real um, a real tribute to the uh, to the power of the 6809. They got um, a lot of crikeys. <laughs> yeah. 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 Imagine yeah. that a color computer with all the colors. <laughs> now, this is a monthly meetup, from my understand. Now, how long has this been going on? Has it been going on for decades too? This particular club, or I don't know about decades. Um, I'm actually not sure how long it's been going along, uh, going on uh, right now. But yes, it is monthly. Um, so how, how did you, how did you find it then? Um, through the uh, I found it through the cocoa. Uh, sorry, through the. Uh, through Facebook groups. I was looking for, okay. for local groups that had, you know, retro computer groups. And I found the Adelaide retro computer group. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, that's how I, uh, I, somebody posted about, if anyone has a cocoa here, come along. And so I did. So that's how I found out and made friends with uh, with some fellow retro enthusiasts. And so, yeah, I've, I've, I've got a new bunch of friends here in Adelaide that are, are right into uh, the retro computing and, uh, and, uh, you know, a couple of them are into the Cocos, which is really cool. I didn't realize And I'm sure your last-minute ride was quite happy that uh, he brought you along so you could fix this Coco 3 for him. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was I said to him, you know, if, if I can get a ride with you, because I don't drive. I've, I've got a sleep disorder called narcolepsy, and I can't drive because of it. So, uh, so uh, yeah, he, he gave me a ride in, and I offered to pay him fuel and all the rest of it for, for helping me out. And uh, in the end, we didn't have to worry about the fuel. He fixed his Coco. And his there <laughs> you go. Mutually beneficial, I think that's called. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah, and he's a pretty cool guy. So we got along really well. Nice. David, and, David, did the time seem to go real fast? Way, way, way too fast. Yeah. I actually, I actually planned on demonstrating um, um, EOU um, as well. Um, I was uh, Nitrous Nine. Yeah. And no, that, I, that's fine that you didn't, because I think you know you need to concentrate the whole show on Nitrous Nine, obviously. So when you. No, I actually spent. At least an hour in the trash can. Of, you didn't want to scare anybody away. <laughs> yeah. I spent quite a bit of time this week actually just going through various bits and pieces in uh, EOU and just 
working out what, what what would be good things to show off you know all the multitasking and the and the you know the, the um, ray tracing bouncy ball and all the rest of the it. trash can yeah the trash can oh that trash can <laughs> the trash, put so, the trash can in the trash can yeah exactly <laughs> in the world <laughs> so yeah I, I actually planned on that's one of the reasons why I didn't get as much time to play Rally SG as I'd planned on because I was spending so much time in, in Nitrous 9 getting something prepared for this meet. Sorry and I actually that. fully intended to do it. But, <laughs> but, no, that, that's uh, fine. I, I, I don't hold any grudge against that whatsoever. I, there's there's so much to show on the Coco, especially if people haven't seen it before and don't really know yeah. what it's capable of. That I mean, you could spend 10 meetings in a row showing brand new stuff every time. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, I mean, next month, October, I'm planning on having um, my uh, Coco D, which I'm sort of tentatively naming it at the moment, um, finished by the next meet. Um, and if that's the case, I'll take it along with me and I'll demonstrate um, OS9 on that. Cool. Um, so, yeah, but it was, yeah, I had a ball. It was a, a, a fantastic time. Really good group of people and, um, yeah, a lot of fun was had. So, yeah, good stuff. Good to hear. I hope we have... Uh... Coco Fest and real VCF next year. Yeah, yeah. hopefully. Yep. Yeah, well, I've anyway. never been to a Coco Fest, obviously, so I figured that was the uh, it's the next closest thing I'm going to get to it. So yeah. 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 Anyway, same. Nick Nick Randings and I have to shift off our mortal coils here of Coco Talk. Uh, we have to go make a Coco presentation. Speaking of, at the International Computer Club from the Amigos side of things, so I think we'll head her on out. You guys can finish yep. up the show. Uh, do we have your permission to do that, Curtis? <laughs> as long as you have a well-designed trash can you can do anything you want all right. All right. oh we're in trouble so, then. Right. <laughs> all right bye curtis thank you curtis. we'll see thank you guys you later I'll, 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 see next week later. I'll, I'll post later, the links curtis. for the actual icc video once they get it posted on youtube too so you guys can check that out it's a mix of it's, it's like the show david went to it's a mix of retro computers of all kinds so Coming up, what we really think about Nitrous Nine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> go for it. Awesome. See you guys it's later. It's See you. Right. Have a good time, guys. Bye. Bye. All right. All right. So, um, well, I, what's Jason, Jason doing over there? I see smoke coming up, and oh, smoke coming up. Just some, just just some soldering and some smoke from the soldering. Nothing. Oh, all okay. That exciting. Nothing. Yeah. Okay. All right. That smoke is completely normal. We sent mm -hmm. some smoke from uh, the West Coast over to uh, Ohio. Okay. Are there, that's, are there, that's, that's solder that's smoke, smoke signals. Are there any switches in the vicinity? Oh, I got. You know what? Switches, switches. I, I've I've got a whole thing full of toggle switches. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and that's just that's just that's just one drawer of them. They're, 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 that's just that's just one. Awesome. That uh, magic, that smoke that comes off the soldering iron too. Everybody who's who's into electronics and and has done their time in electronics knows that the smoke from the soldering iron, when you're soldering your components together, the smoke actually goes into the components and it's supposed to stay in them. Sometimes <laughs> That's out. how you get it Nose back in, huh? Me high. Yeah. When that magic smoke comes out, it's done. It's done. Yep. <laughs> All right, so guys, I need to, um, the last thing we have to do is project updates and acquisitions. And I did have something I wanted to show today that's fairly significant that could have taken more time, but I'm kind of in a time crunch right now because I mentioned this during one of the breaks, but our air conditioner has stopped and it's been stopped now for a couple of hours. And I don't mind it as much as I've got a house full of women who do mind it. So um, can we shorten our updates and acquisitions this week and save it for next week? Uh, who, who had something they wanted to show and tell? Um, uh, Terry, uh, 
Terry Steggy and Brian, you usually mm -hmm. have something. Jason has something. Um, are you guys, is, is your presentation relatively quick? Mine would be very brief. Go ahead, Jason. Oh, it's my and, turn already. That was easy. Well, you said um, you're brief, so. Oh, very brief, very brief. Um, uh, in the category things I forgot I had bought on eBay, we have this uh, book here, the TRS-80 uh, Color Computer Programs, uh, something nice. we had back in the day, a lot of type-in programs, and uh, even even has some color color photos in it. Uh, it was cool, something we, something we had uh, back in the early days of us having a color computer. Uh, and then here's the best thing. I actually got something color computer related that I did not purchase. Um, well, how could that happen? I know, right? Uh, <laughs> but through, through the magic of eBay, um, the as she's been referred to, the lovely Sarah picked me up. Home publisher. Home publisher. Oh my gosh. So. How, how? Can you uh, do the so, uh, Coco newsletter on that? You know what? I don't even know. I, I actually <laughs> think, you know, it was, it was a great, I think I have a copy of this somewhere, but this one is, this one's in much better shape. So it's going to go on the, on the shelf there behind me. And uh, so I was, I was quite surprised. It's, it's all, it's all here. It's even got foam and it's got a, Got a floppy and everything, so we're uh, it's all it's all in here. So, nice, no stuff. So, that's all I had. That that was a surprise. That was a surprise. Coco acquisition. Awesome. Right. Okay, and cool. Terry Steggy. Stevie, you get your air conditioner. No, no, that's here. fine. That's fine, bro. Come on. Well, I I did get. Uh... Ooh, robot, robot battle. battle. Oh, wow! Ooh, that's never nice. Seen that. And the I plastic's clean. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty clean. Not even yellow. That's a huge package for the cartridge. That's what she said. I uh, thought that was cool. And then <laughs> robot battle. That's not TDP, is it? It's not. It. It's kind of though. Uh, I had never seen. Uh, oh, the, the overlays, the keyboard overlays, yeah. the templates. But yeah. Wow. If you look What's at the logo, the... it's uh, level f um, four. What to uh, do with the badges? A badge yeah. with the uh, yeah, yeah, where your where your finger is can't really see that very well. Let's see if I can get it over here. What does that say? Level, Level four. four. It's actually okay. I found it's a company that retro or they they modified these for this programming master control by uh, Soft Sector. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah. 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 Yep, yep, so yep. I'm, I'm going to tear it apart. I want to see what's on the inside, but um, I was pretty excited to get that thing. It's uh, I did it... find a couple ads out on the arc. Let's, for... let's see the back. Oh, sorry. It's a serial number. Just kidding. <laughs> it still says Radio Shack on the bottom, so it's a TRS 80 90. color computer. It's got a big orange sticker on it there. Yeah. It says Le level four. Level four Products. property ink. Yeah. yeah, which voids the original warranty sticker and adds a new warranty sticker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is gonna so get voided. I'm kind of excited to see what the heck's on the inside of that, and then does it lastly, power up? I'll just show. Yeah, does it power up? I haven't even tried it yet. Mm, okay. I did see. Uh... There, look at that, the dragon stuff. Nice. Look at wow. all that. You're giving Brian Weasel a run for his money right now. Come on. They actually had their own. I did not realize they had their own user magazine too. Nice. Wow. So anyway, I know you're busy. I just I, no. That's I cool. To go there. That's cool. <laughs> that's cool. 
Uh, where did you go? There, there's Terry. Let me unspotlight you. Brian Weasler, you had something you wanted to show? Uh, yeah, I got a couple of things, but I'll, uh, I'll keep it to just this one here only because uh, Ken is on the show with us today that he actually inspired this one. Uh, a few videos back, he had uh, shown the, uh, the uh, Micro Adventures series. Uh, Ken had done a video on this. Um, and uh, I went out and... Uh, I was able to locate all 10 books. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. Now, now you'll, if you're closely watching, you'll see that number seven is not here yet. Um, it's on its way. But uh, since Ken was here, I wanted to thank him for, for pointing these out on one of his videos. What um, are they? What's that? Are they what are they? So what it is, it's a little adventure book, and it, it kind of takes you through a mystery. And uh, when you come... When you come to a, a spot in the, the book there where the mystery is, it has a small little program that you have to that you have to enter in. And then once you run the program, it'll give you a clue as to the next step in the mystery. And so it's kind of a mystery book slash um, uh, basic programming book. And it's written for it's written for different computers, uh, everything from the the, uh, uh, the Commodores to the TIs to the Ataris. And if depending on what model of computer that you have, it'll in the back of the book, um, if it says, okay, if you have a color computer, you need to modify this one line because, you know, not all basic programs are necessarily universal. And so it kind of steps you through that. And so there's a whole, there's a whole series. There's at least 10 books that I located. That's nice. Yeah, it's just 10 books. On 10 books. Okay. And then yeah. I, I, I did accidentally order one that I wasn't noticing. Uh, Ken, I don't know if you realize, but they actually had a hardcover version of the book as well. <laughs> so, oh. so, uh, these are all the paperbacks. Um, I did accidentally order this, and I wasn't paying attention, and there was a hard book cover of it, so I don't know. Maybe I might go out and seek those, but uh, um, so I did get one hard cover there. So um, I do have some other things, but I'll, uh, I'll save them for next week. Are you okay. going to keep it down to a half a dozen? Half a dozen. All right. Anybody else? Did, uh, Mikey, did you have something you wanted to show? Oh, no. Not Any, this time. Anybody else had a show and tell? Anyone? Anyone? Already done mine. All right. No, hold on a second. I'm gonna, that outro. No, well, I got I got mine to do, so I'm I'm gonna jump on my phone here for a second. So hold on a second. That might break the screen if you jump on it, Dave. <laughs> right. You have to a good screen protector. For those listening on audio, we are still here. We're just waiting for Stevie. Please stand by. Steve is wiping the sweat from his brow. If Steve would actually... I'm trying to phone. sign in on my phone. Sorry, I'm just ignoring you guys right now. All right, so some guy named Steve wants to join. I let you in. Yeah, we had to admit that we know you. Okay, okay. so, so where, where is, is that, that video? video? Oh, it's right here. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, cool. yeah. Yeah. oh no. <laughs> All right, how do I switch videos now? Okay, there you go. That. Oh, but you got a nice hat on. Nice fan. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's his yeah, raving that's fans. How do I switch the camera around to the other oh, side? Oh, there should be a little top lip, button. Top left-hand corner. There we go. There we go. Kaboom. This is Coco Talk on Coco Talk. There oh, we this go. Is, this is total inception this is here. Oh, jeez. Coco. <laughs> Oh, we getting are we getting bandwidth issues right now? No, no, uh, it's not fine. Yeah, it's fine. No problem. I see we see your shelf of stuff. Uh, you 
Ooh. You guys are you guys are coming a little bandwidth. All right. So this is what I picked up today. This is courtesy of a friend neighbor. His name is Greg Smith. This system wow. is the Motorola X XOR. Is that what it's called? XOR. Yeah. And so apparently, apparently, what this is is this is an early development system that Motorola had created uh, to allow people to write software, operating systems, applications, develop hardware, and everything for the 6809. How did so he get it? Uh, he got it from a woman whose husband had the original owner. He had this and he had passed away and she was holding on to it because he didn't want it to be. This guy, Greg, what he does is he does electronic recycling. And so um, because of that, he does get a hold of vintage computers, which he does not recycle. He, he keeps those. But um, so this came from the original owner. And, this, and so one of the pamphlets, and there's, there's just a ton of books and documentation that have come with this. Wow. I've got the um, the original floppies. Floppy? Floppy? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, oh, um, yeah, baby. We got the floppies that came with it. I've got some of the floppies are still sealed in in their bags, like from the, uh, this, this is like Motorola factory sealed software. So new stock, not opened. Well, so there's a bunch of stuff in here. Um, a lot of manuals on Motorola, uh, microprocessor, data manuals, single chip microcomputer, you know, CMOS. There's, there's just binders and binders of information. There's oh, a wow. reference book here. Uh, oh, preliminary that 6801 reference manual. You can, that's, that's exceedingly rare. Okay. The what? 6801. Is so that six that sixty eight oh one reference manual that has sixty eight oh one and sixty eight oh three. So uh like if you want to do assembly language programming on the MC ten, that sixty eight oh one reference manual, that's your guide right there. And that guy is very rare. That one right okay. there, sixty eight oh one reference manual. I thought MC ten so, was sixty eight oh three. It does, but they're the same. Oh, okay. The, they the they just have different uh, peripherals Intro inside ROM the chip. Oh, okay. Sorry, guys. Thank you. That's so wow. You don't know, you don't I am know totally drooling, to Stevie. This is worth so its own the, shelf. It, it really is. Yeah, it really is. So there's just so much documentation. This is all motor. Okay. Macro assembler reference for 6800, 6801, 6805, 6809. Um, wow. There's just so much in here, right? I've got all these binders full of stuff. And then the coolest thing here is I'm going to bring this over here and set it down on the table. All right. So this whole kit here, this says Motorola consultant support program. So this looks like the owner of this, he was going to be doing some type of work where maybe he would be selling Motorola technology to system manufacturers. So this is a whole kit here with all kinds of data sheets and cut sheets and all kinds of Motorola stuff here. Uh, this is oh, all yeah. motor and there's actually like some letters of of joining the motorola program in here i've got the receipts for this thing some um there's just so much stuff so like every type of data sheet and cut sheet this is some type of consultant agreement here if you were going to become the consultant for motorola and sell their stuff so that paperwork is in here um there's just so much stuff. This is, and, and Motorola used to have a plant down here in, in Miramar, Florida, in Southwest Broward County. And this picture reminds me of that building. Probably, so, the, um, probably the Scottsdale, Arizona one, though. I, I remember seeing that building once or twice. M6801. 
604 microcomputer design to idea prototype. All right, so this, this is like some hardcore stuff here on using Motorola technology to develop stuff, right? So there's just so much of this. Huh. So, so, it's so, really, really cool. Yeah, so not only is this computer here, it very much reminds me of a Model 3, right? It's, it's got a green screen CRT. It does boot up to a prompt. And I've got a handful of disks. There is a basic, there's like a tiny basic or a relocatable basic, it's called. It's got a halfway decent, you know, full stroke keyboard here. Where's the turn uh, on switch? So we were talking about this on discord when it came up and apparently this, there's a handful of people who are much more familiar. I'm not familiar with this machine other than I know it's completely significant to the history of, of the 6809, you know, so, so, um, so we speak of the Coco being sort of the 6809 spec sheet design. Yeah. And it's been made into many things over the years. The, we saw a couple earlier in today's Coco Talk. This is the machine that Tandy probably used to cobble up the Coco. Yeah, okay. wow. That's cool. What's, what's the back look like? Does it have any DIN sockets or anything? Uh, it's it's big and it's heavy. You can see how deep this thing goes back. Yeah, this wow. shelf wow. here. This There's shelf a card is, cage inside there. Yeah, th this is an 18 inch deep shelf, and this thing is about 26 inches yeah, uh, wow. deep. Now most of the weight is pretty back heavy, so the keyboard's not too heavy. So I'm not have to worry about this thing falling over. But yeah, it it was you know it's a pretty heavy beast to get this thing in here. So I'll have to look, I'm going to look at the inside. I'm really curious to know is it a ceramic. Uh, CPU, you know, does it have that ceramic with the brass plate on the top? Or is it a plastic CPU? That would be interesting to see the type well, of memory, the type of buses that are in it, you know? Yeah, if it's a 4K. <laughs> yeah, no, the, no this, at... this, thing, this thing had like 56K. The, I, I have the bill of sale of all the components. If the base unit was about $6,000. It got upgraded wow. to something like 56K. To buy basic on a floppy was like $850 to buy the basic language for this thing. So it's just oh, yeah. Are those similar to the Cocoa idea. floppies? Are um, they 35 track? Uh, it's, you know? I'm not sure. Yeah, you guys are bandwidthing on me really bad. I'm going to hang up on my phone now and get back to the microphone. So, um, What a nice really? find. Oh, that is That's awesome. So cool. Stevie, that's totally awesome. I'm so jealous. So are you going yeah. to make pictures of it, you know, all the way around? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did, and... I did take some, there are some pictures in Discord. Uh, I, did I did create a channel under hardware because I, I did some research and I determined there were not enough channels in Discord right now. So I went ahead and made another <laughs> channel for this. Um, but I figured instead of lumping this into general hardware, I would just put all those pictures by themselves. So if there's a, if there's a thread that goes on, it can stick with this. Um, so so I still it, can't get my channel channel, but you got a channel for this thing. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I see how it goes. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. so, Does it have a serial number? I'm sure it so does. Number one. I'm sure it does. So, yeah. So I'll get I'll get some more pictures of the backs and the sides and the bottoms and stuff like that. I I literally picked it up this morning and you know I'd have about an hour to kill from the time I got it all put on a shelf and took a shower before the show started. So I haven't had a lot of time to to digest it. Now now just so you know I I'm probably not going to keep this 
because it's just huge. So I am going to be looking for the right home for this. And, and honestly, I think this needs to be like in a museum rather than just going to a private collector slash hoarder, you know, you schmucks. Um, but, you know, a um, I think it needs to be in a museum. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll find the it's home the for it. Too. The Ark is somewhere, right? Because no, I mean, right, all of weird. the discs and printed materials, they should all get like scanned oh, and archived yeah. and stuff. Because otherwise, uh, you know, it might go into storage someplace and get lost. Should take the opportunity for preservation as well. Uh, that's a good idea. Yeah, oh, sure. Greg is still here. Thanks. I didn't think Greg was sorry, sorry to keep you holding this long, Greg. So he says he thinks the serial number was under 2000, but he could be wrong. So that's the guy who I got it from. Um, so no, it's it's a neat it's a neat system. It's a huge part of the history of the, of the Motorola family of CPUs, and um, this this was kind of like a prototyping machine developed by Motorola for people to make Motorola based technologies. You know, so it's really cool. interesting to see whether uh, it's really interesting to see whether um, Fairlight guys actually used one of those to develop the Fairlight. That mm. would be one of the things that a, a consultant would buy that, and they would sign that consulting agreement uh-huh. and then if somebody went to motorola and wanted they had a design and they needed it programmed they would refer them to the person that had this machine okay hmm. interesting so yeah it is definitely a neat slice of history um i did um let me take you guys out of here for real sick can you see my desktop uh, not yet uh, no it, it says coco talk can you see the the coco talk desktop Nope. 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 Just a forehead. Oh, hold on. Am I not screen sharing? Hold nope. on one second. No. Okay. <laughs> Let me turn on screen sharing again real quick here. Uh, share screen. There's a monitor and, mo- and mic on the YouTube. Yeah. Hold on. Okay. You guys seeing this? You guys seeing it now? Yeah. No. No. Yep. No, okay. Can. All right. So now let me... I can't minimize it. Maybe I can do that. Let me move that over here. All right, can you see my desktop now? Where it says Geek Talk? Mm-hmm. I can it's behind. In the background, yeah. It's behind something. All right, you see it now? Yep, right. yep. So, yep. yeah, so I took a handful of pictures of it, right? So, um, if they'll come oh, up. Nice white screen. Yeah, isn't it? Of course, Are when you're, you trying, you're trying to do everything live. Um, <laughs> what the hell, dude? All right, here we go. So this was me loading it in the trunk, right? So you can see, you get to see how deep this system is, yeah. right? So, uh, so I just, t- I did try to take a few pictures of a few things here. So this, this was that consultant kit, and these are all on Discord, right? So this is the M sixty eight oh five sixty eight oh four of micro cons computers from design idea to prototype like uh, yeah you like you see that cpu there you see how these are kind of the ceramic ones right mm-hmm. so this is what i'm wondering yeah. and that, this one even has the little sure. e prom window on there where you could reprogram them or something right so or i'm not sure what that's for you're going to have the absolute like bulletproof version emulator hardware okay yeah thing. so these were some of the these are just some of the things this is that stack of books right so um this is it on the shelf that you guys just saw, kind of a little bit of a close-up of it. Uh, some of the books, just a ton of stuff. These are some of these floppies here. M6809 software, uh, editor, assembler. Uh, I'm not even sure what these, I think one of the ones was a basic program, basic M, relocatable basic M 4.0. Okay. 
and you start with a machine monitor so you can run this thing just off of the a register away we go wow wow <laughs> right so kind of amazing right and these were some of those sealed in floppies um software registration part number serial numbers the date this is from 85 right so i thought this is uh newer than i thought it would be but uh, these were some of the other floppies that came with it that i have um xor disk system i don't so this must have been like a disk uh, an external disk housing this one's got internal drives kind of like the terra city model 3 macro assembler reference manuals tiny basic user manager there's so much stuff in here link loader reference manual xor crt editor uh 6801 6805 6809 um macro assemblers just all kinds of cool stuff in here right preliminary programming manual for the mc 6809 cpu wow. you know it's just I, get that I, I, guy scanned man yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> We aren't oh, done yet. <laughs> no, oh yeah. So you've seen ten percent of of what's in that in that documentation from this thing. There's just tons of stuff. So those um, floppies might uh, be something to good to rip with the grease weasel. Yeah, maybe. So <gasps> yeah. So we just need to find the the right way to make sure this thing gets preserved. You know, I'm, I was fortunate enough to be able to just take possession of it. I I, I don't think I'm going to keep it, but we'll figure it out, right? So. Uh, Tim Linder is saying some of those prelim manuals are already scanned. So Tim's out there. All right. So cool. But yeah, so that was my that was my pickup today. That thing all kind of came together in just the past few days this week. Matter of fact, somebody else on Facebook who knows I'm in Florida says, hey, man, you got to check this thing out. And I saw it. And when I was messaging the guy, because I was just messaging from my phone from a picture that somebody sent me, I didn't even realize this was somebody who I knew. So I actually knew Greg, but when I'm messaging him, I wasn't, I didn't exactly know who I was messaging. And he's like, oh yeah, I know, I know who you are. And says, oh yeah, I know who you are. So it was just kind of weird how it all just kind of worked out, you know? So, um, and, and then real quick too, something else I, I can just show you, but I haven't gotten the power working for it just yet, but this is kind of a cool thing too. But this is courtesy of uh, Malfunct, um, Scott Went. And he made this contraption, this prototype thing. But what you'll see on the back here, that's your six-pin DIN. And you notice you've got a, um, uh, and then over here I've got a USB input. But what this is, is um, this is to convert an Xbox USB controller to run on a Cocoa. And so what I haven't, what I just realized this morning when I tried to fire this thing up is I don't sure, I'm not sure if I have a USB A to B connection. And I don't know if I have the right power for this, so I don't want to screw it up. But this is where I would plug in the USB port for my Xbox controller. And then on the back, you've got your six pin DIN to six pin DIN to plug into your Coco. And and so it's a way to put, plug a modern controller into your vintage system. And I'm looking forward to playing with that because I like the, um, I like the Xbox style controller. It's a nice hybrid self-centering analog-ish stick. Um, a little bit more ergonomic than the old ones are so looking forward to playing with that and thanks scott for making that and sending that to me um all right unfortunately so, if we weren't sweating our arses off i might be able to hang out longer but i gotta go drain my pans and blow out some lines and stuff like that right now so <laughs> is that what you're calling it now yes <laughs> listen That's a fancy name for it, buddy break. yeah there you go so. <laughs> blow out your pan yes, yes, yes. <laughs> drain some pans blow some lines you know you know how it is it's saturday and make some extra money so uh <laughs> in the life of uh, a cocoa 
<laughs> yes, yes. Uh, yeah, you don't want to be a fat AC in Florida. I can tell you what. So, um, yeah, yeah, right. Very special guest Ken Waters, aka Canadian Retro Things. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Curtis Boyle, for the gaming news and for the normal news. And thank you, Nick Marota, for your game on. Game of the Week segment and challenge. And thank you, David O'Connor, for bringing us that view of the Adelaide meetup. And thank you, Ron Delvaux, for always being here, for your spiritual support and yeah. your, your guidance. He's my uh, he's also my financial advisor. So um, how's the market doing, Ron? Good? Uh, Good? I don't know. Checks in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The weather weather is uh, all red here. Oh, uh, so have happy air quality. Uh, I'm really I sorry, Mikey. Red. I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm glad you are safe. So, Jason the Coco Man, Riker, David Ladd, Mark Bosley, Brian Weasler, Alan Murphy, James Diffendaffer, Terry Steggy. Uh, David Ladd, you're going to say our parting thoughts, Dave. Anything you want to say to the folks at home about the show we had today and what they can do with the rest of their day today? David? Anyone? Oh, David had to step away. Sorry. Did David? All right, we're oh, gonna, we're, we'll, I'm so excited. <laughs> 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 uh, I I so we'll play the outro and we'll see have if, a great day. We'll see if David. Uh, we'll, see, we'll see if David can make it back after these after the outro here. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to CocoTalk at CocoTalk.live. CocoTalk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because CocoTalk is rocking the 8-bit world. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click the Patreon link at our website at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Coco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Marentes, Rondell Vaux, Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Riker, David O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Steggy, Nick Marota, John Strong, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and James Diffendaffer for making my head explode. Please help support the Coco community by visiting some of its various contributors. A list of resources is available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Marotta, David Ladd, 
All right, so since David Ladd is not here, in honor of David Ladd, in memory, in loving memory of David Ladd, let's all do our best Ooh. David Ladd uh, goodbyes. <laughs> Jason, you're probably the king of fake David Ladd right now. Oh, hashtag fake David Ladd. <laughs> Thanks for being here, everyone. Enjoy, and I'm going to go off and uh, run my grease weasel. Yee. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else want to take a shot at that, or is that it? Not after that. No way. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the, that one. He's the king. <laughs> the king of hashtag fake David Ladd. Too right. much distortion. <laughs> we are going to press the button, Frank. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye, Bye everybody. everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.